What's up, everybody? This is episode 119 of Cool Down Time. This is a weekly show where two longtime friends cool down and talk about video games. I'm your graphically impressive host of the show, Marco, and joining me is the technical mess of the show, the, the most diabolical man in, in the gaming podcast space. We have Pablo here. Pablo, I, I'm, I'm calling you out in front of the listeners. I want everybody to know what you put me through. Uh, even when we're not recording, um, we were we were trying to get ready to record, and you know Pablo decided to pretend that his screen was frozen. So <laughs> he held an awkward smile for about a solid seven seconds to the point where I thought there was something wrong with our our, our connection. Um, and this is what I go through. This is what this is what he does. Um, Pablo, I'm going to give you a chance to redeem yourself, though. Uh, by asking me anything that might be on your mind that we usually ask each other uh, in the beginning of shows. Do you have anything on your mind you want to talk about? Yes. Um, I would like to ask you to ask me yes. how my week was. What? Oh, my God. That's what I would like for, uh, for, for that to happen right now. Can you please ask me that question? So this is, I'm pretty sure this is week four or five of you not caring about me. Um, yeah. And it's starting to wear me down. Uh, my my yeah. therapist is is getting sick of me. My family's done with me too. Yeah, I feel um, you. I don't know who else to go to. I truly don't. Yo, you got um, nobody. You know that's just the way it whoa, is. Oh, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. No this, man, I feel. Is... I, I understand you're going through some stuff. You know because I'm going through some stuff. Let me let me talk about me a little bit. Let me talk to you uh, a little bit okay. here. Uh, All right. Uh, yeah. Sorry, uh, that was terrible. Uh, no, listen, for, for, for those of you who don't know, and I really have to get this off my chest because I'm a little upset. I, I'm going to be honest with you. For those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican. I'm a Puerto Rican person. Uh, <laughs> and okay. uh, oh. right. my name is Pablo, but no, I'm not Mexican. I, I'm Puerto Rican. But I, I gave my son a whole Anglo-Saxon name. Ethan, I'm setting him up for the future, bypassing the systemic racism. I'm doing all that good shit with the name. And can you believe this kid doesn't speak a lick of English? None, none mm. of it. None of it. Now, obviously, as a Spanish speaker, I'm not actually upset about that. But uh, I'm paying a whole mortgage and a half for this daycare. And all these teachers are, are, are just teaching in Spanish. Teaching in Spanish, I can't say water. I gotta say agua. I can't say milk. I gotta go with the leche. You know, I gotta not the leche. Yeah, I go with the leche. Like I, I say, I say hi. He looks at me like I'm absolutely crazy. <laughs> I gotta switch it up and say hola. This is ridiculous. This is. I, as a matter of fact, I, I just want to say this, Ethan. If you listen to this in the future, uh, you, you you gotta stop if you if you if you are still speaking Spanish you gotta stop bro the the cops are gonna kill you okay that's just wow. that's just the way this goes <laughs> oh god the police will shoot you in the face um so don't do that just you know speak. you know what sucks about what you just said what's that he probably doesn't understand anything you just said no, right now no and honestly I'm just I'm I'm because joking. he's full blown he's Puerto dead. Rican only oh I think he's because he's already he speaks- died of police brutality <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh god Jesus. what are we doing on this episode. I don't know, um, man. That was uh, 
I just well, here's, I, I just wanted to get the focus the, out of out of whatever you were going through. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, here's the thing. I, di- I didn't ask you how you were doing at all yet. Um, oh, by the way, I don't I'm doing care great. I'm doing great. So uh, everything we'll is just fine. take all that out. We will take all that out in been post. Amazing. Oh, there's all something right, I have to ask you. Something I do have to ask you. What? Uh, when are we starting the show? Was it oh, just, wow. Be... Doing fine. Okay. I'm doing fine. Oh, here we that's go. great that you care. Uh, maybe three of our listeners out there care. Uh, one of them is my mama. Um <laughs> I'm doing wonderful, Pablo. Uh, huh. I actually took uh, I took a vacation from my job, um, you know, p- particularly because I, you know dealing with you has stressed me out. I've uh, I've got about 27 new gray hairs on my head uh, and my beard because of Pablo. Um, I want you to know your son's better than you. I don't mm-hmm. know why I needed to sprinkle that in there in mm-hmm. between how I'm doing, but I want you to know that real fast. True. And um, no lies. Yeah. And you know I'm 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 doing great for that. Um, no, but in uh, all jokes aside, I have been uh, I needed to catch up on like life. Yeah. So I took I took a week off to just get some basics done. To like I haven't had I, I didn't have a haircut in like almost two months. I just haven't had time for like basic things. So I was like, all right, this needs to be a catch up week for you me. Take so a I, shower I, like in eight years. I still ain't done that yet. Mm, <laughs> But no, uh, so I've been I've been taking advantage of that, and uh, I've also been doing a little job hunting right now. I'm I'm, I'm starting to feel I'm starting to feel like, you know, I'm I'm paid all right, but I feel like the cost of of living has gone up so high that I feel like my salary is almost obsolete now. Like I need to I need to upgrade. The um, rent so is I'm, just I'm, too damn high. Oh man. Yep. Um, so I, I look. I got. I got to see what I can do about it because I'm. I'm. I'm trying to cut costs. I'm trying to be very budget sensitive right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Frugal, if you will. Um, but it's just. It's getting annoying because I don't want to have to keep thinking about. You know. Oh, I don't know if I should get that because I need to save money for this. Like, it's 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 adult life 101. But still, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of tired of it. Yeah, it's, crazy. Right? it's crazy. I want to I want to buy games again and and not and not regret it. Uh, immediately I after, wanna, but that's, I want to go to the store, uh, and then uh, having to pick up some stuff for my son and not come out of there three hundred dollars uh, poorer because oh. diapers are crazy. Uh, for Dude. Me, this is great for our listeners. They're like, "Oh, these old fucking people, <sighs> these whole fucking people talking that <laughs> bullshit." That's what they're. Why? Oh my god, it's a terrible thing to do. Can we just move on before I get canceled? Yeah, that's, that's probably for the best. That's yeah. probably for the best. Well, why, why don't we talk about what we actually are here to talk about, which is video games. Uh, tell the people what is on the docket this week. Yeah, in this episode, I want to talk to you guys about how I angered the Remnant 2 gods. Also, is Telltale back in their bag? We're going to find out today for sure. And Marco has been putting down some games lately. His latest, Mafia 2 and Final Fantasy, the original I wonder what he's got to say about these games. Well, Final are... Fantasy VII, my friend. You just said the original Final Fantasy. Oh, no, Final uh, Fantasy VII, the original Final Fantasy VII, not the remake. Can you imagine? That, that'd be crazy. Uh, PlayStation also is going to remind us why they're dominant uh, with some sales numbers. Tencent keeps growing. Armored Core 6 previews are intriguing. And Xbox is giving their home screen some much-needed love. We break all that down in hit points today. And we close out the show with Checkpoint Chat. We got some updates to our personal GOAT list with some games that soared higher onto our list and others that just fucking sank. 
fucking tank. You say those things. Pretty good words to put together in in, in one breath. Uh, you might not like some of our choices. Some trigger warnings here, so stay tuned for that for sure. You sounded like a white version of Bernie Mac when you when you said that. I don't know how you pulled that off. Just considering I'm not white. Com- I know that's that's doubly talented right there. Hey, um, I got I got the voice talents. You know, just throw a name out there. I can do an impression real quick. Any, just go ahead and. Why don't it. we? Why don't we not okay. do that? Why don't we not do Listeners, that? Listeners, just that's, go that's, ahead and write me an idea. email and for impressions, and I will send you a voice, a two-hour. I'll read a book or something. War and Peace in that impression. Uh, for Let's free. get started with the first damn segment of the show, uh, dedicated to the games we've been playing. And not the impressions we've been doing uh, since you last heard from us. And, and that that's Pablo is, reads a book in an accent? Section? No, oh. no, it's it's definitely called loadouts. Let's do that. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, so uh, I think we're going to get Pablo back under control at some point in the show. Hopefully the sooner the better, because you got some pretty interesting games to catch us up on, Pablo. And I'd like to hear about those um, other than your white Bernie Mac impressions. So... Um, in particular, uh, last week you talked a little bit about Remnant 2. Uh, you put some uh, initial hours in, and you kind of gave us a little bit of an FYI about that. But by the sound of your little uh, your little intro uh, a little while ago, it sounds like the tides have turned. So what exactly is going on, Pablo? Well, I don't like to talk business on the podcast on air, but I would like to say that the segment in which I read things in an accent or an impression is a missed opportunity, and I'm afraid that this podcast is no longer viable in any way, shape, or form, unless we amend that and put that into our daily and weekly uh, docket. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Remnant 2. <sighs> Listen, guys, uh, nothing's changed in terms of how I feel about Remnant 2 in terms of the game itself, the quality of it. What has changed, however, is is the fact that I said on the show that the game is hard, but it's not that hard. Oh boy, how was I wrong? I, I will say the initial gameplay, the, the, the levels and the worlds that you go into, those are not too hard, but once you get towards the end of that, you're going to reach some some high-level um, enemies and then the boss fights. Those are really the things that really uh, really kicked my ass. Humbled me in ways that I have not been humbled in many, many minutes. Uh, so I, I, it's just for me, I just felt like... I like the spike in, 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 in difficulty because the game, it's a sh- the shooter mechanics are really nice. It feels really good, especially if you pick the gunslinger uh, archetype. I like the way the game feels in terms of moment-to-moment gameplay, but there is a sense that it could feel a little too easy at times. Uh, it just kind of feels a little bit like just shooting and looting, which is what the game wants you to do. But a little challenge is always good. And so kind of ramping up to that challenge, I think, actually makes the game feel uh, a lot better. Because, you know, as I'm getting deeper into that level, I know that it's about to, to get a little harder. But the good news is, is the checkpoints of those areas are actually pretty... Uh, they're not that bad. You, your checkpoint, once you get to the boss, is really just a couple steps away. Uh, to get right into that fight again. So I will say that that was one of the biggest kind of changes in, in terms of how I feel about the game where I, I felt, okay, this game is good. Uh, I'm kind of going through it pretty quickly. I wonder if it's going to be difficult. Oh, it's pretty hard. Uh, it gets really hard there. But overall, man, I'm still feeling the same way I felt last week. I think that the game itself, gameplay-wise, is phenomenal. The story has taken an, 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 a backseat in ways that little bit disappointing because I, I literally have not gotten anything uh, the story has not moved much 
much more than where I was last week because of where I am in the game and the things that I'm doing. Uh, so that's a little frustrating, though. I will say the gameplay is so good, like I've mentioned before, that it's actually not bothering me right now. It's kind of one of those games where I'm, I'm kind of getting into and not really thinking too much about the story and just kind of focusing on the, on the game mechanics and then ramping up to the difficulties at the end. So I am still enjoying my time uh, with it uh, quite a bit. So uh, it's still a game I wouldn't recommend for you, Marco, because of just uh, of the way it's set up and I know how, how you like your games and that's not, this isn't the way you would like to, to, to spend your time with video games for sure. Yeah, I can tell. It's not for me. I, I knew I knew pretty much with a couple of reviews I saw um, and hearing your early impressions, I, I kind of wrote wrote it off as, as just a, a not for Marco kind of game. I'm glad it it seems to be, you know, relatively popular right now. Yeah. Which I'm happy about for the developers because the first game just kind of fell under the radar and it was the typical double A game that kind of came and went. Like this one feels like it's it's catching yeah. a little bit more with they people, which stride. is really awesome. Yeah. They yeah, definitely found sure. what what makes the things work, and they've expounded on that. And it, this game is like the best parts of uh, Remnant from the Ashes, uh, and in this game is is literally what they did, and that's a good and that's good for them because it really is working for them. I will say though, I don't know how far I, I think I'll beat the game, but I don't know if I'll do any end game stuff. And that's really usually a lot of the people who are really into it saying where the game starts again that Diablo Four kind of thing. The game starts at right. the end. I'm never, never in my life been a fan of games like that. I think that's just like, if you're going to give me the game, I'm going to take it for what it is. If you're going to tell me the game starts at the end, what are you, Christopher Nolan? Stop making games, you know? Um, oh, no. <laughs> the game starts <laughs> at the end? What is this? Uh, but I'm, I'm playing another game, Marco. Um, and yeah. that is The Expanse, a Telltale series. Marco, you, you're kind of the resident uh, Expanse fan here why don't you tell us a little bit about what the expanse is before i get into the game itself yeah so this is basically a prequel that happens um before the events of uh the tv series which you could find on amazon prime Mm -hmm. um and it stars um one of the characters from the show uh who reprises her role uh she's kind of a fan favorite character so it's been pretty cool to know this game was coming so we get a little bit more background on her and just kind of how she came to be who she is in uh, the, the TV series. So um, this is a return for Telltale, which is uh, epi- it's, an, it's another episodic uh, five-part uh, saga, I suppose, um, yeah. that with new episodes that are dropping um, every two weeks until the finale in, I think, late September, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, all, all through um, September. Right. So it's following the, the traditional Telltale formula, um, but, you know, it is a little bit of a weird one, given that Telltale was once kind of gone, and then they mm-hmm. came back, and now they have put out, I think this is their first product since all that uh, blew over, if I'm not mistaken. So it, it's it is, an interesting yeah. game to see if this is still, if it still feels like a Telltale experience or not. Um, so I'm really curious to see kind of what you think of episode one so far, um, some pros, some cons, and kind of what you're thinking uh, about just the rest of this um, episodic uh, series. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, Marco, this is their first game back since uh, 2018 with their, with their doors closed. Uh, I will say this. Um, the Expanse is, is everything you love about Telltale games, 
and that's also including the things that you might hate. And I'm talking about some technical issues, particularly in the pop and textures department. That was a really big thing in a lot of the the uh, in the Telltale games. The the, but I will say this: uh, they are very minimalistic, and they don't ruin the game in any way, shape, or form. This isn't, however, the overhaul one might expect from a company that was brought back to life. There is very much picking up where they left off kind of uh, uh, kind of sensibility to it. It is an evolution of the formula, uh, an improvement on their visuals, uh, refinement of the art style and gameplay. But while the art style is a technical improvement, um, it isn't like a leap. It isn't leaps and bounds better, in my opinion, specifically in the ones that are uh, the later, the later, their later games. Uh, but their character design is fucking ugly uh, in this one. It is absolutely atrocious. I, I liked them. what I saw from the character designs, the, so, the overly exaggerated features and stuff. I, I like it. And, that, and that's a way to kind of not have a realistic art design, but be able to emote in their faces. And I think that they do that well. My problem is that I just think that their shapes are so off. Like some of these characters have some of the biggest heads I've ever seen in my entire life. It is, <clears throat> it is crazy, but I, I understand the, the reason behind it. Um, but I would say if you, if you played a telltale game before you'll be free, you'll be right at home. Uh, even if sometimes that means you'll experience some familiar technical hiccups, like I mentioned, but I will say though, that the game, uh, it is it is pretty good look to look at the lighting and details in those spaceships are absolutely amazing. Uh, sometimes moving through those environments in terms of like the animation feels a little clumsy, but the gravity or the zero gravity portions of the game are absolutely incredible. The way you can walk in on in. in just walk on the floor and then just just walk on the wall and, and kind of move your entire character through these environments using zero gravity is absolutely amazing. Um, now, I will say a game like Telltale that relies so heavily on conversations and, and it is fully voice. Some of the voice acting is pretty hit or miss. The main, obviously the main person, of the, of the, of the her name escapes me, but uh, she's fantastic. She sounds, she's the same, same voice actress that, that plays a role. Sounds great. Great. But there are some of the uh, uh, some of your crewmates. Their voice acting is pretty atrocious in, in in some spots where it's like I don't understand why they went here with this one. It, it, it just feels a little off considering you do so much talking. Um, mm -hmm. But overall, minus some of the technical things and and some of the voice acting, this is a clear improvement on the Telltale formula. And I'm happy that they they are back. Uh, so far, the story is pretty intriguing. Some pretty fucked up shit happens right out the gate, so it's kind of like oh. I don't want to spoil it, so I'm not gonna. I'm gonna keep it pretty vague. But I think I, I, it's intriguing. It, it, I'm, I'm, so, I'm absolutely in. I'm back that I'm in this telltale world and, and, and all the uh, and, and, and the way they're and the way their style of telling their story is so awesome. And and I and I feel right at home with it. So I, I can't wait to keep playing more as more episodes come out. Yes, the episode is pretty short. Uh, two sittings, basically. You know, about 50 minutes is is, is kind of where I clocked it. Uh, but uh, every two weeks, it, 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 the way they're structured, it does feel pretty good. Leaves you on a small cliffhanger, you know, like a TV show would. So they're they're playing this pretty smart. I think that the thirty nine or the forty five dollar price point up front is a little. It's a little weird to me because they're they're divvying that you can't buy them. Uh, you can't buy the the episodes. Uh, by 
on, on their own. You have to buy the whole thing, and that kind of sucks a little because, you know, spending $45 in a game that you're going to play over five weeks seems a little bit like a, a lot to ask. But I think if you're a fan of the series, you're going to spend that money anyway on each of those episodes. So if you're a fan, do it, especially if you're a fan of Telltale and a fan of The Expanse. This is a no-brainer. Got you. Yeah, I think also Deck Nine worked on this game as well, and they are um, the developer that works on Life is Strange. Yep. Um, so a little bit of help to kind of get this game over the hump for Telltale, which is which is good, and, that, and that's that's a good studio to work with as far as like narrative uh, driven games go. So um, I'm glad it panned out well, even though there's some 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 blemishes on the experience so far. Yeah, and uh, good to hear. And the blemishes are kind of like, oh, I've seen this before from 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 Telltale, and that's really where we're at with that. But yeah. the game itself is 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 pretty solid, at least the first episode, because you could only judge it by what we've gotten. So, all right, well, let me go ahead and tag in. Um, so, my weekend game was kind of uh, in gaming was kind of weird because I didn't really have anything new to play, and I didn't really want to play anything new either. Um, and I, I think that's because I've I've had this this prevailing feeling for the last couple of weeks or months, I guess, that and I don't know if you feel the same way, Pablo, or or, or maybe you don't, but for me, gaming in twenty twenty three has kind of been underwhelming for me. Um a lot of games that I was looking forward to either turned out just okay or they were flat out disappointing um a a lot of games that i had high hopes about just kind of fell short of expectations and i feel like even though this year has a lot of like big ip like the zeldas of the world resident evils and obviously starfield is going to be a big ip like there's been franchises like that that have shown up this year I almost feel like that's why a lot of people default to saying that 2023 has been great because we got the new Zelda, because we we got a new Resident Evil, because we got Diablo 4. These big names, I think, have kind of, to me, um, it, it hasn't been as interesting of a year gaming wise. Like, I almost feel like I had more fun last year. And pe- most people say that last year was a bad year in games. I actually enjoyed last year a lot because I felt like the, the, the experiences were more unique than what we're getting now. So I've just been kind of um, on a holding pattern with playing anything new. Like I, I even wanted to get the expanse, but I, I, I held off on it, particularly because I wanted to see what people were feeling about the game, but also because I just, I feel like with very few exceptions this year, I've just had these meandering experiences. And so what first, before I get into my games, do you agree with that? Or do you feel like 2023 has been a, a, a strong year for you? I think what it is is all about expectations and how that was set up for us. Uh, obviously, uh, f- before these games release, when they say when they tell you a, a Diablo's coming, a Final Fantasy is coming, uh, you know you have these expectations. Zelda, that it's going to be one of the best years of gaming. Period. And the fact that it's not because of the simple fact that games like Diablo and, and Final Fantasy just didn't hit for us specifically. Um, it, it, it definitely feels super deflating. So I am with you in that I think that it feels a little disappointing because of how what the expectations that I've had for, for this year and how that's kind of panned out. Uh, but I think I, I think uh, I think like 
I think we'll, we'll look back on 2023 fondly when it's all said and done. But in the moment, as we are right now, with all these big IPs that were promised and only really like two really panning out for me, it just feels a little bit kind of like a huge letdown. But I, I'm confident enough that by the end of the year, we're going to look back and be like, you know what? It was a pretty good year. It's just that we were in the moment. So many promises, so many kind of potential highs that became lows and that's really just and that and that's the most depressing and really deflating yeah. of, of all because that's I, I feel the same way like i kind of been been playing so much uh just because i don't know what to play because i just feel like i mm-hmm. should have been satisfied with 16 final fantasy 16 with diablo and i just i'm not i'm kind of finding trying to find <laughs> the the thing to fill that hole type of thing but it's not happening right now right. so yeah yeah i i do agree in a sense for sure yeah, I mean, I feel like one of our categories for the end of the year awards that we do is middest game of the year. I feel like that cat- that category is going to be stacked for us yeah. by the time this, this year is over. Because I feel like that's just kind of been the average level of quality, the, you know, with some exceptions, obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's it just, I, I agree, it just kind of hasn't been it yet. And I'm hoping that with the back half of the year being what it has the potential to be that, you know, I'll feel a little bit different, but for right now, yeah, I, I kind of defaulted to playing some, some old favorites this time around. So I don't, I don't have any of the new, the new hotness that you do, uh, on your loadouts, but I did go back and play, um, mafia two. Uh, but I played the definitive edition, uh, which was a more of a remaster kind of effort that, um, came out a couple years ago um mafia 2 is one of my favorite games of all time i think it's one of the best stories i've ever seen uh it's a it's a great mobster tale uh with some truly memorable characters and i wanted to relive that um and i remembered that i had bought the definitive edition but i didn't play it very much because i kept hearing a lot of bad reviews about the game having a bunch of problems technically and i was like well i don't okay well i'll just I'll hold off on this for now. Maybe they'll patch it. So I, I came back to it and it's a mess. <laughs> it is a, it is a technical mess of Pablo proportions. Wow. That's messy. Um, I know. Uh, but it is, man. It, it's um, not all of it's terrible. How do you fuck it's, that up? It, it's playable. It's just that, that's kind of my question too is like how did you mess this up when it's it's first of all it's not a full-blown remake like they did with mafia one which was great it's just a remaster you touched up some textures you sharpened some things you you know you did little things here and there but it shouldn't have have first of all it's it's performing at an unstable 30 frames per second which is weird what um secondly textures pop in and out and there was even one bug that i had where the entire screen of textures like when i was driving around the city every texture went completely brown and i was playing in a brown town uh (laughs) essentially and i had to restart from a checkpoint i've had to re i've (laughs) i've had to restart from um quite a few checkpoints because of bugs and issues that i've been having so um I have had a really tough time navigating through the game because of all the hitches and issues. And I, I, I want to kick myself for it because I own the 360 version on my Series X and I could have just played that, but I thought, oh, it's uglier than the definitive edition, so I'll just play the new the new version of it. But that turned out to be a huge mistake. I would, if I could go back, I would have just replayed the um, original release 
um, to get a bug-free experience in, instead of dealing with this just for the sake of slightly better visuals. So it, it was an L for me, but I'm mad that I spent money on this. I won't lie. I don't understand how they fucked that up. And I, and, I, and Mafia 3 also is still a fucking mess. So maybe it's it just is. Hangar 13, just the optimizing is not their thing, which sucks. Because I think that the Mafia 1 remake was particularly awesome. I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, uh, but, man, that's crazy. Because I, I, I also have the Definitive Edition, and I thought, you know, one day I'll go back to these. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Shit. Yeah. So that is uh, that's one of the games I played. The other one I touched was Final Fantasy VII, but I played the original Final Fantasy VII. Um, uh, some of you that listened to a recent episode know that I, I recently went and replayed uh, the remake and had a just as good of a time as ever with that. But I I realized that I haven't played through the original in a long, long time. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting to come back to it um, after playing the remake because you can kind of see a lot of what the remake does so much better than the original. Not to the point where it outshines the original because the original's just got it. It's got a special place in my heart that's never going to change. But I will say that in terms of writing and story. Um, Playing the original, it's funny. It feels like everything is happening in fast forward. They don't spend enough time talking about anything or doing anything. Like you get, you get to certain events in the in the original so fast compared to the remake that it almost feels like it's going too fast. Yeah, like we're not stopping and talking about this enough. We're not getting to know characters well enough. Things are just moving and moving and moving. We're going to go do this, and now we're going to do this. And, you know, like the early portions of Final Fantasy VII where you're um, you're taking down the Mako reactors. Yep. That happens in, like, 30 minutes. Both of the, 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 the Mako reactors you go to. When you play the remake, that is, like, 15 hours worth of gameplay almost. So it just feels uh, really kind of rushed in a strange way um, in, in, in terms of story pacing, but the charm is still there. Um, and I, I still love um, the old blocky sprites from the old <laughs> days. That's, that's my version of retro gaming, honestly. I, 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 I'm not one of those people like the 2D pixel art type of things is my is my version of retro my version of retro is like ps1 era visuals like the pre-rendered backgrounds the yeah 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 yeah, all that stuff that's more my retro gaming so it's doing a lot for me in terms of nostalgia but it is interesting comparing and contrasting the the og versus the remake and realizing that man the remake really does blow some things out of the water compared to the the, the original version. Yeah, I think that's the genius of, of Seven Remake where they they've take they understood some elements of the original story needed to be expounded upon and they did that in a way where it felt natural. It felt like, yeah. oh, this was always the case, but absolutely not. Um but yeah, but it's funny you talk about pre-rendered backgrounds because for many years people always talk about the SNES and NES, those have aged better than PlayStation 2, kind of. But I, I don't know. The, there's a charm and a certain beauty to the pre-rendered backgrounds. I, I kind of fucked around a yeah. little bit with Final Fantasy 8 and 9, and those pre-rendered backgrounds are actually kind of cool. Like I, 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 I think I've learned to appreciate that art style more uh, as years have gone by, because basically it was just like, that's ugly, it's horrible, they don't compare to the NES, SNES. I think it's a tasting. 
Yeah, it is. It's definitely a taste thing. And, and and there are some developers that are doing like PS1 era looking games now, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Because uh, that speaks to me uh, 100%. So, but uh, yeah, uh, I don't know if I'm going to finish it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of game there. Yeah. For something that's kind of old. And I, and I don't want to tarnish a lot of my nostalgia by trying to play it with you know, uh, and compare it too much with modern RPGs. Like, I think that'd be unfair. So I just kind of want to leave it be. It was nice to come back to it for a little bit, but it was more of just a, I was just there to visit, um, but not, not finish it all the way. But um, that's all I had going on, man. Um, I, I, I don't really have much else to say. Hopefully next week I'll have some more interesting, newer stuff to talk about, but that's kind of all I wanted to play, dude. So yeah, that's what what I got. got. Um, What's coming out? I don't know, actually. I, I, um, I mean, I'm gonna probably gamefly some stuff um, pretty soon. That that should be on the way. That that'll keep me interested. But I don't know if there's anything new per se. I think early August, Atlas Fallen is dropping, and then right. Immortals of Avium, that That's new right. EA game. Yeah. Uh, that that should be coming soon. And then of course Armored Core Six, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for loadouts this week, man. If you guys out there like what you're hearing so far, uh, please consider subscribing to our show. We drop new episodes every Monday on all streaming services. Plus we also put up audio versions of our episodes on YouTube as well. If you're feeling extra cool though, and I think you are follow us on Twitter threads, Instagram, uh, all at it's cooldown time if you want to keep us in your FOV in between episodes. But we do need to keep the show rolling because we have quite a segment lined up for you up next here, and that is the new segment that we call Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, only on uh, our podcast can it be a slow news week in gaming, and yet we have four <laughs> news items to talk about. That's just so us. But uh, nevertheless, um, why don't you uh, go ahead and kick us off with uh, the first hit point news item, if you don't mind. Yeah, Sony has announced that PS5 has now sold 40 million units in comparison Mm. to Xbox Series X and S have only sold around 21 million units, which means that PlayStation 5 has almost doubled the users as the Xbox Series X and S. So the question is... How do we feel about Sony having such a commanding two-to-one lead over Xbox so far? And is there anything Microsoft can actually do to bridge this gap? What do you think, Marco? Um, I think it's a pretty jarring um, contrast here. Uh, it, it, it really speaks to what Xbox was talking about during all of the Activision Blizzard drama mm-hmm. about being in last place. And I, I think... You know, in a way, yes, they were still feigning weakness a little too much, in my opinion, but there was truth in there. And this is very, very damning truth that, yeah, it's it's been kind of tough for Xbox Series X and S to kind of build momentum when it comes to sales. Um, so it is jarring. Um, I wouldn't say that it's anything I'm super concerned about, though, because I, I do have some confidence that as the generation continues on for Xbox, provided their games come out at a certain quality, that they can do um, a little bit of catching up. I don't think that it's going to be a close match in terms of units sold compared to PlayStation. I think that's 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 a wrap. Yeah. I think what they can do is is keep the quality of games good, and and this is another thing. You kind of have to hope that Sony steps on a rake um, <laughs> with all of. 
with all the live service stuff that PlayStation is trying to do, um, investing $2.1 billion into live service titles uh, over the next several years, um, if, if that somehow ends up blowing up in Sony's face and that becomes a, a, a failed strategy, then I, I think it's that creates an opportunity for Xbox to kind of be the alternative um, in terms of having more core experiences, more core single-player experiences, or at the very least, more of the traditional multiplayer experiences, but enough diversity in their catalog so that it's not live service, live service, live service, live service, God of War. Live service, live service, live service, live service, Horizon. You know what I mean? So um, I think that's what they can hope for right now. Um, but hopefully, you know, hopefully this is a wake-up call to Xbox as well to kind of understand that, okay, from here on, you, you can't you can't be on, on any more bullshit. Yeah. You have to, like, really hit the ground running from this point on. And the days of having more red falls and more dry years like yeah, 2022, yep. like, that can't continue to happen. So um, that's, that's more or less where I'm at with it. But yeah. I'm curious to get your thoughts, though. I mean, I, I think also this is more of Sony just killing it in, in, in like in just incredible ways. As a matter of fact, only the PlayStation Two to this point has sold more units than than the PlayStation Five. So it's like a historic run at that as well. And I think when you look at total units sold at twenty one million for Xbox Series X and S, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Xbox One only got to what thirty five or something like that. I don't know if you could look that up because oh, I'm, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, so um. I, I don't think that Xbox is having a bad year or a bad generation of consoles in terms of total sales. I think they always knew they were going to trail behind a little bit, but I think this is a perfect, um, a perfect example of, of Sony and, 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 and their, and their dominance in the market and how a lot of, uh, a lot of the stuff that they've talked about, uh, in the, in, especially in the past year, you know, they're really not, they're not really painting a clearer picture as to what exactly it is in terms of, of the power that they hold over the industry itself. Uh, but ultimately, for me, I think that this is a good path for, for Xbox to really kind of focus on the things that really work for them. And unfortunately, not a way to to, to beat PlayStation 5, but uh, ultimately to create a path when the next generation of consoles come out that they'll be able to compete in a, in a much more respectable way than a two to one, uh, yeah. two to one, uh, being behind two to one in terms of total sales. Um, I, I, there's, I don't think there's a, a way that Xbox looks at this and feels like they failed. I think that they knew that there were, it was going to be a tough, a tough uh, uphill climb. And, um, you know, game pass has been, has been something that's changed the way that they, they, they look at, at, at success in the video game industry and the market itself. So we'll see how, how that kind of, um, that happens, you know, uh, and Sony is Sony is is has stepped in a lot of rakes, Marco. They stepped in oh, a lot yeah. of rakes, and 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 if they continue to do that, they're not going to lose their their market share. But what they will do is is kind of like PS2 to PS3, where they can come out and be like, all right, we we've lost a little momentum here, and that's when Xbox can come in uh, and do something. But I w- I would like to remind everybody that even though the Xbox 360 was the better console in a lot of ways and outsold PlayStation 3 for most of its life cycle, PlayStation 3 came out a year later and it ended up uh, overtaking Xbox 360 in terms of overall sales and in, 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 in period, you know. So it's yeah. not like it's not like Xbox, even if they had the best 
console ever and the best situation they had that with 360 they still aren't able to really compete with playstation one for one like that so we have to keep that in check as well understand that xbox could have a next generation of them be incredible and still lose the total sales uh to playstation because playstation is like nintendo they're synonymous with video games they've been around for so long it's hard to get people out of that ecosystem yeah, for sure. And, and comparatively speaking, uh, Xbox One has sold 58 million consoles. Okay. And then before that, the 360 sold 84 million consoles. And that's lifetime. Uh, yeah. So, you know, those numbers are going to look a little jarring compared to what we just said about Series X and S at 21 mil. But got to remember, the generation is still ongoing. So yeah, it's only where they land in. is, yeah, it could be totally different in the next couple of years. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's congrats to Sony. I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due. But um, this is time. It is time for Xbox to kind of take this and and use it as fuel, hopefully, to yeah. uh, to to keep competing. And we'll see what happens. I'm interested to um, see where the Xbox 360 and Xbox One were in the same time frame uh, as Xbox Series X and S. Uh, but that's something I'll look up in personal time. But I'm just interested to see if the Xbox Series X and S are really are behind the eight ball in some way or they're actually up on on especially on xbox one but you know yeah i digress well that is not the only story we have about uh good old xbox go ahead and uh kick yeah. us off with the second news item yeah well microsoft has finally rolled out for everyone their home screen experience for xbox series x and s and xbox one as well the new update frees up some more space to show custom backgrounds while also providing some new top uh, bar shortcuts and more game pass highlights to encourage game discovery among other things uh but now that this update is live what are some of the quality of life improvements you want xbox to tackle next or enhance the user experience marco what do you got yeah, so this is an interesting one because I think that Xbox has kind of been a bit behind the eight ball when it comes to um, UI and just overall navigation um, through Xbox. I think so many of us are used to this setup that I think it's easy to forget that a lot of this is pretty counterintuitive, even even after this update, um, which does do a lot to kind of make the home screen more usable and easier access to things that matter the most. But I think that um, there's a few things that, that need to get better. I think number one, and this is a small one, but this is just to play catch up with PlayStation. I think HDR uh, for the dashboard would be really nice to give it more polish and it would look more presentable. Um, it wasn't too long ago that that 4K wasn't even um, enabled for the dashboard, which was really kind of ugly but they did catch up on that at least i think hdr would be a nice touch to give it more of a, a high uh sheen in terms of presentation um i think the storefront is is starting to feel a little old to me too it's that old like you know microsoft windows tile thing that they were doing um with their desktop os and they, they still retain a lot of that stuff with some apps and, and whatnot. But I think the store in particular to me just feels a bit um, off. And it, it's always updating for some reason on my oh console. My I don't know if it's me, but there's uh, every time I log into my Xbox, I see Microsoft Store update, downloading, 129 megabytes. And it's like, oh my, again? I wonder if there's, I wonder if there's like OTA, like over-the-air updates so to update like certain games that are being added I constantly. But still, it's annoying to see that. It'd be weird for us to see that they're updating the store in real time and having to download that. Like, that's well, just weird. Yeah, I just but, think because everything is app-based, 
like mm-hmm. it isn't on on PlayStation that we every app that gets updated, including the store, we see it, and that's yeah. kind of yeah, that's kind of weird. I I actually I actually think that the entire I, I like the update. I think the update is great. I think it really does a lot in terms of like putting the things that matter up in the front in the forefront. However, I think in order for them to actually do something with the actual dashboard, they gotta blow it up, start over. The drill down menus suck, like going into the store and then going into mm-hmm. the home or the, the the new games and then drilling down into that. And then PlayStation does this too, where the the, the games that they're showing aren't necessarily the games, all the games, you know, like new releases you go through it and it's like oh and you still have to search some games that are new release so it's it's yeah. like it's weird what they decide to, to kind of put on there but i i've always hated the drill down i i love i love the 360 the blades because the next blade is the thing the store that i like that system exactly playstation has yeah. that i just don't like the way it looks but in terms of the uh of the accessibility and the user friendliness of it the the store icon is there and you move you move on to the next that's so, so easy with xbox it's just it's convoluted and complicated even as as it stands now where you have you have the game pass when you click on it it just takes you to the application of game pass and then you just have yes. to drill down through that so it's it looks cool, and I think he's done a better job of, of fixing uh, some some of the issues in terms of like the pins. I hated the pins; I never used the pins, shit like that, yeah, and just full, yeah, sh- fully customizing it. But I think that the issue with the Xbox UI is the Xbox UI. I think that that thing is garbage. I think it needs to be redone, and I hopefully that hopefully it's something that they roll out a lot in the years past. Console generations in the past, you have to wait for a brand new console for a new UI, but that's not the case anymore since they're updating as it goes. I hope that they they actually do something where they completely blow it up and restart and bring back a system of blades that is new, fresh, looks cool to your point, has some HDR on it as well. But as it stands right now, I'm used to it, so it's hard for me to to, to speak of it like kind of objectively. But really, at the, when you look at it, it, it's just kind of like it needs work. It needs to be redone in just about every single way so yeah yeah. there's a few more things that i think are are nagging um i think quick resume is a it's it's a it's such an awesome feature but damn it that thing can be unreliable at times um and that's not more that's not user interface that's more functionality but i think it's it's hard i know when you're, you're dealing with games that are like persistently online you have to log into a server to play like rainbow six or something because yeah. it doesn't really work as intended but i i've noticed that it, it's it can be wildly inconsistent uh to the point where i've had quick resume uh trigger back up and it'll just boot me to the main menu of like a single player game and then i kind of don't know yeah. if my progress that i made before i i backed out has has carried over there's been times where it hasn't which can be frustrating and i also would say as an add-on i think there's also a case of bloat with some of the uh user interface as well like there's a lot of things they don't really support anymore you know like those those me type of characters you make for yourself They, they don't support that anymore they haven't done that in years i think they refreshed that once for new consoles, and then they stopped supporting that altogether. I think that's just got to go. It's it's needless. It, it's not really anything that they lean into a lot at all. And I would say that there's a lot of like dumb features. And I'm not saying PlayStation doesn't do this either, but like a lot of dumb features, like clubs, the official club for uh, you know Remnant Two. You can see what other people are sharing and join the community. Like no one's doing that at all. It just feels like there's a lot of like. 
these companies always have this obsession with like bringing people together and like building these communities yeah. through their user interface. And most people just don't do that. It's yeah. just not realistic anymore, especially I, I, with social media and, and message boards yeah. and stuff like that. Reddit. It, it's just not, that's not the place I'm going to go to join a community of yeah. people that really like Sea of Thieves. Like, yeah. No. And I'm sure there's people that do use it. It's just in terms of like the, the amount of people that use it to the amount of people who don't use it. Yeah. They got to look to Nintendo a little bit because Nintendo is lean. They're lean oh, as yeah. fuck. And I think they need to look to Nintendo a little bit in terms of lean out a little bit as well. I will say one feature that I feel this needs, and, it ha- and it's a lot along your lines in terms of like quick resume, is I would like to see on the top left or right-hand corner the five games that I have active in quick resume because I cycling through those games like i i clicked on like sleeping dogs which i had not played in a couple days and it it was still in the quick resume and it was like frozen in this black screen so it's like i would like to see what i have just because i would like to for example rainbow six games that don't feature have the feature works i would like to just get in there and be able to kind of uh close it out without having to go in the game or, or going in the tab itself um so little little quality of life quality of life stuff like that because quick resume is amazing but I would love to be have a visual representation as to what is active currently on my quick resume uh, kind of queue. Yeah, and I think the reason why all this is important is it, it's it might sound like splitting hairs, but I think if Xbox wants to have more users join Xbox, I think that the the user experience is paramount to that. A good friend of mine recently has been a longtime PlayStation only gamer, got an Xbox Series X and was completely disoriented. He's not an idiot. He knows his way around how to navigate dashboards and, and stuff like that. But I think it just spoke to the the clunky nature of, of the way that everything is laid out for Xbox dashboard and user interface. And, and that experience has to be better, to be, uh, to be a more welcoming, intuitive experience for people. Um, because if, if it's not, then it undermines all the features like Quick Resume uh, that, that make... Xbox such a great option for gaming you know yep. if, if it just if it's a mission to get from point A to point B then you're just going to discourage people especially when your competitors are doing things in a more simpler streamlined way um, you don't want to you don't want to be the outlier in that sense it's it, so it's it's more important than I think people think and that's why I thought it'd be cool to talk about yeah I um, agree but that is not all we have to talk about this week in hit points Pablo we got some other news we got to talk about and uh Acquisition alert, ladies and gentlemen. Um, the mysterious Chinese technology juggernaut Tencent is acquiring the Dying Light studio, Techland. Apparently, the studio will retain its current CEO, and Techland will also keep full ownership of its IPs and have full creative freedom following the purchase. But how do we feel about Tencent nabbing Techland? Are we cool with it? Since other companies like Microsoft and Sony um, and Embracer Group do things like this, or is Tencent still too suspicious for us to trust? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look when we look at uh, 
especially with Xbox and, the, and those complaints, people's like, oh, they're gonna have a monopoly over games. When you look at the publishers out there, the number one publisher right now in terms of the, what they own is is Tencent, and it by a lot. Like they're not nobody comes close to that. And so the fact that they keep acquiring stuff, I know they're a Japanese based company uh, or Chinese based company. Chinese, yeah, yeah. Chinese based company. And I know they're acquiring stuff. I think so, whatever whatever laws apply there, I guess don't apply here. But it just feels weird that that they're able to 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 do this, and, and the way they actually get away with it is that they don't outright buy anybody 100%. They buy 75% stake into the company or or majority stake into the company. And so technically they don't they're not full owners of it, but the revenue stream that's coming in at 60 75% of what they own is kind of like, man, these these people when you look you'd be surprised what they own and you'd be surprised that like a lot of your favorite games are probably uh, uh, in some way or another uh, kind of uh, attached to Tencent. It's like the seven de- seven degrees of separation. You'll find that Tencent, <laughs> some way or the other, is responsible for some of your favorite games. So it- it's a little weird. I've never trusted them specifically because of some nefarious things that they've done in the past in terms of how they acquired stuff, uh, hostile takeover, so on and so forth, and the fact that they are massive in, in terms of what they owe. It's a- it's a weird thing. I mean, obviously, I think. Uh, I think this is the way that's going. Sony is also ramping up to, to start purchasing some studios. Xbox is not done, sure. But it, it, it's, it's, it feels different when you're the number one uh, publisher in the world in the video game space and you're going completely unchecked. And really, there's not much anybody can do about it. So it's, it's, not a, it's a little fucked up. But I'm glad that Techland's able to, to kind of, for the moment at least, pretty much stay autonomous to, and and not be completely taken over to the point where they've been blown up and they've been kind of like mined for their IP. But it, it's good that they're able to, to, to maintain all that. So we'll see how that works and we'll see if, if, if that affords Techland to make more games a lot quicker than, than like seven, eight year gaps in between. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so tricky because um, I, I hate to look at Microsoft and Sony, but like... When you see an opportunity to, to get a studio like like Techland, um, which you know is not necessarily the cream of the crop or like a you know a, a huge name of like Naughty Dog proportions, but they're a good studio, and I feel like it's strange that you know everyone just kind of passes them up and allows Tencent to just kind of come in and save the day and so to speak for 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 uh, Techland when they could have done it. Um, I, I just think it's weird that, um, these companies kind of roll over and let Tencent continue to build this way. Um, we don't know how much they, um, you know, necessarily paid to acquire, uh, Techland, but Mm. it's just, I think what makes it so strange optically is that Tencent moves so quietly. That's the thing. They don't have this front facing image where, where you can at least see them attempting to sound like people. They just seem like this, like the fucking mysterious clandestine agency <laughs> in, in the gaming space that, you know, you don't know anything about them, but they're just, they're just everywhere. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what makes it kind of spooky in some ways. And obviously, you know, in terms of the, the global aspect of it, you know, Chinese owned, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff around that that I don't want to kind of bog the show down with, but yeah. people worry about that too. Um, and so, you know, to me, it's just it's a shame. It just makes me wonder, like, why a lot of these studios uh, are so open to being acquired by Tencent. You know, like, wouldn't they sure. feel just as concerned, or is it so monetarily driven 
that they are left with no other choice but to take ten cent, uh, take ten cents offer. You know, so it's it, just it it's kind of it's kind of weird. It has to be that, and it affords them the ability to, to do whatever they want. Kind of like being purchased, like like Double Fine when when they had cut all their boss fights out of uh, Psychonauts Two until Xbox bought them, and they were able to put all those things back. So maybe do do things that they never thought they can do before, or had had to kind of stop themselves from doing because they didn't have the the, the monetary uh, ability to do yeah. that. But you know what they say, Marco. Uh, real G's moving silence like lasagna. So, uh, I guess that's what Tencent. Uh, that's what Lil Wayne was talking what, about. What he talking about? What Tencent. just happened? What, what just happened to my segment? What did you do? Yeah. What? I mean, Why'd you, you know, do I, that? I, I added Lil Wayne to it because I felt like you could add Lil Wayne to anything and it'll be better. First of all, lasagna is gross. All right. So yeah. I guess it I guess it fits with ten cent in my opinion. That's coming from somebody who's Italian. By hold the on. way, I don't want to hear hold you guys. On. I just I just kind of registered what you said. Lasagna is gross. Terrible. Oh get that nasty ass, gritty ass ricotta cheese out of my face. Get it out of my facial features. You don't are you Italian? You don't like ricotta cheese? No. Why would what I is... want to eat something good? That's like uh, that's like grits, but for Italians. It's just so gross, man. Why I would I ricotta... want anything that's gonna be like grainy cheese. and uh well that's because you ain't no good. <laughs> 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 All right, let, let's keep it moving. You nasty motherfucker. Um, <laughs> from Software, the makers of Elden Ring and the Dark Souls series revealed new gameplay for Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon, while other media outlets and YouTubers also chimed in with their own preview coverage after attending a pre-launch event for the game. Lots of new information has been revealed about the game's mech combat environments, customization, and mission structure, which has received high praise by virtually everyone that's got to play it. But the question is, as two guys with minimal experience with Armored Core, yet lots of experience with From Software's Soulsborne games, what do we think about what we saw? Are we hyped at all for Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon? Pablo, take it away. No. Listen... I oh oh god! I've tried, and I've watched the gameplay over and over and over and over again, and I just find absolutely nothing interesting about this game at all. I think it looks nice. I think the openness of the uh, of the level design and your mech, the ability for your the movement of the mech, all that looks nice but in terms of like the the moment to moment the the gunplay the 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 mission structures i i don't like any of it i think it looks but i think it it looks boring it looks kind of mindless i heard it is a little challenging so there's a little strategy to it all that good stuff i i get it but in terms of how it showed i thought i thought this was mid as fuck to be absolutely honest with you and i feel and this is just my personal opinion i think there are people who are looking at this and they think the gameplay stuff is intriguing i totally agree with that i think if you like that kind of uh of of game in terms of what it could possibly be i understand but i think a lot of people are taking the from software name and just and just kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt i think the game looks pretty uninteresting just holistically, but I, I'm definitely not going to give him the benefit of the doubt based on the fact that just from software. I, I think when you look at the history of Armor Core, there are like Armor Core 3, I heard is, 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 is considered the best Armor Core. 
every other Armored Core game after that is a co- completely just been hammered in reviews. Uh, a lot of the way the game looks is the reason that those other games have been given those bad reviews in terms of how the game tr- turns out in terms of the longevity of it. I, I think it looks... I think it's probably the most disappointing preview I've ever seen, like coming into a game that I'm not really sure about and then coming out of it thinking, oh my God, I think that game is bad. I, I, I know I'm such in the in the outs of this because I know people are really praising it, though I do feel that a lot of people are kind of like in in the whole in the bandwagon of it being from software game which by the way huge from software fan here everybody knows that about me but i just think that the armor core series is just not for me in such a way that i look at this and i actively think it looks bad so that's just kind of where i'm coming from um what do you think marco <laughs> i can i can see this being a game you eat crow about Good, i yeah, can see I, that i hope i hope you know I can see this happening for you. Um, I actually thought this looked really good. Um, and I'm not a mech fan, uh, at Armored Core or any, any other kind of thing. Uh, not a fan of those types of games whatsoever. But I thought this actually looked really, really good. Um, I looked at, you know, older Armored Core games. Um, there's a few YouTubers that did like a retrospective on the series. And I, I saw a lot of what Armored Core was trying to be. But I think the biggest problem that the series has had, at least from the outside looking in, is that it never could decide whether it wanted to be really, really hardcore granular with customization and tact and strategy, or if it wanted to be more nimble and action-driven. And I think the game franchise kind of like waffled a lot throughout its years and good entries bad entries from what i've heard but you know it it, it's always been a niche franchise the thing that's interesting about this game is that from software wanted to develop this game they like went after armored core in a big way and and this was a, a it almost felt like a passion project for them yeah um so that got me intrigued because like maybe they already had a vision in mind for what they wanted this to be and after watching a lot of the, the the coverage that we've that we've received now, I can kind of see why um, people are, are excited about it personally because I think the combat looks good. I think the customization in particular. I can see YouTubers going nuts with like build guides and stuff like that. Um, I, yeah, I can see sure. a lot of that happening. I think the combat looks really interesting. Um, the boss fights that they teased looked really good. Uh, a little bit of bullet hell stuff going on there so that's kind of my one concern because i'm not a bullet hell fan but it did look like um there was a lot of creativity around bosses that make each one definitely more interesting and dynamic than a typical mech versus mech fight like there's a lot like there was one that had like all these bands like metal bands wrapped around it but each of them had like rockets mini rockets or something attached and it would just be the you know flying around unloading that on you and you're trying to dodge and you know move quickly and i think to that point i think the combat looked really um responsive and fun i think that um, uh, my biggest combat, uh, my, my biggest complaint was that the story, from what they've kind of you know tried to explain, just doesn't see. It seems like a typical from software type of story where it's it's there but it's not there, um, and that can get a little grating for me. Even if I like the gameplay, um, you know, I, I will eventually lose interest if there's not enough there narratively to compel me to keep doing these missions over and over again. Uh, I can only survive off of getting new mech parts and and you know i can only survive off of that for so long before i'm going to start going okay why am i here 
But what yeah. what is this all for? Why is this interesting? Why does it matter? And I don't know if they really answer that question uh, with the preview coverage right now. Yeah, and another thing that I saw is that ray tracing is only available in the garage, but a lot of the experienced uh, Armor Core fans say you spend a lot of time in the garage. So that's you not will, yeah, an I've insignificant... Yeah, it's not an insignificant actually addition. It's actually really cool that they had that, and, and I think uh, uh, Forza uh, also had ray tracing only in the garage itself. So when you saw the sheen off the cars and stuff like that, so yeah. it makes sense. Look, visually, I agree with you. I think a lot of that stuff looked really cool. I just in terms of like the gameplay, like control in hand, pressing the buttons, it just feels a little bit like repetitive to me I, I don't know hopefully that changes with the different kind of mechs that you can use and find your play style i would love to e-crow on this and because of the fact that it is a from software game it's not like i'm coming from it because i have some kind of personal vendetta against armor core it's just that <laughs> i visually it did nothing for me and that's shocking because of how big of a fan i am real quick marco i i do i i got one breaking news and one other follow-up on one of our news segments here okay X, uh the xbox one sold 80 million units in the same time frame uh, in three years uh, Ah, as compared to the Xbox Series, which is actually a little disappointing uh, for me. I thought the Xbox Series X was doing a lot better. Uh, 18 to 21 isn't really that huge number. Another breaking news here is Final Fantasy XIV is finally coming to Xbox Series X. So for those of you who like the MMO and Mm. and, and all that, that is finally going to be hitting Xbox Series X. Uh, That kind of... The theory that I had about the... The honeymoon between PlayStation and Square yeah. kind of that's falling apart. That's coming to fruition, huh? That's starting to feel... Hmm. Keep an eye on that. Let, yeah, we'll, because that's one of the games that many people had, were kind of head-scratchers. We're like, why isn't Final Fantasy fourteen on Xbox? It, it seems like... The there's no reason for it not to be. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't, any, there wasn't any deal in place or anything like that. So it seemed a little bit... Uh, a little Is bit it weird. Game Pass? I, I don't know, but I, I will say that it's also an, a big update that's going to have graphical updates uh, as hey. well. So that's a, that's a good thing. Um, yeah, for what I'm seeing here, it, it's just it's, it's saying that it's coming out on, uh, on Xbox Series X. And I don't have much information other than that. Uh, yeah. Dropping the breaking news. Um, yeah. Oh, wait a second. Now, hold on. Hold on. So... It, apparently there's a quote from the CEO um, as CEO of Square Enix we want to continue to deliver fabulous games to fans across the globe we want to welcome the Xbox community as well starting hey. with today's announcement and whenever possible we are planning to bring our games to Xbox for players to enjoy Marco was right No, I told you not y'all. only that though Wait, it looks like it also looks here like Phil Spencer's literally standing right next to the man himself. Wow, a spring 2024 release. Uh, and it's digital only release. It comes Series X with fast loading times, 4K support on Xbox <laughs> Series X. Uh, I wonder if, if if the PlayStation version is getting that. Uh, it is called Uh-oh. the Down Trail version. Uh, the Down Trail is what it's called. That's yeah. super exciting. Not for the fact that it's Final Fantasy 14, but because finally right. uh, the relationship is yeah. The relationship, not that I, yeah. not that I want you know. Not that I'm praying for PlayStation's downfall. It's just I always thought that that relationship was re- weird, uh, especially now with 16 being, you know, people say it sold well, but this is kind of indicating that maybe it didn't do exactly what Square and what Sony wanted. So good call, Marco. Somebody said Phil from the top rope. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, this is what I said. Yeah, for those of you who didn't catch it, um, when we were talking about Final Fantasy 16, I had said that the sales um, may not be enough to continue justifying PlayStation exclusivity. Now, I'm sure there's still some arrangements in place for probably the Final Fantasy VII trilogy uh, and maybe still a standing one for Final Fantasy 16. But mm-hmm. I, like I, like I said back then, I think that that relationship is probably not going to be fruitful for either side to continue um, doing these exclusivity agreements. So I'm not surprised about this. I'm actually really excited that more people can get their hands on um, Final Fantasy and other uh, Square products without yeah. having to worry about exclusivity drama uh, caked in the middle of all that. So that's, so real that's quick, pretty interesting. Yeah. Phil Spencer tweeted... Uh, quote, enjoyed being on stage with Yoshi P and Kiryu-san to announce Final Fantasy XIV coming to Xbox. We're thrilled. We are thrilled that the Xbox community will join the Warriors of Light, and we look forward to partnering closely with Square Enix on future games. Oh, man. And there's this a is... picture There's a picture of literally Kiryu-san, Yoshi P, and Phil in the middle with all their hands together like oh, they're about to no. break. Phil oh, is such man. a savage. He's such a beast. Listen, this is this is big news from a standpoint of the Japanese market. Um, yep. Xbox has traditionally been terrible out there. I mean, going as low as selling literal dozens of, of <laughs> units in a, in a month. It's bad. So between this relationship and the relationship they've cultivated with Sega, particularly with Yakuza and Persona, um, that is a really, really big pickup for them because they need they need to kind of level the playing field as much as they can with Sony, and they're still going to be behind on Sony yeah. they, they, just by default. But that between getting Square back on board uh, and what they've already got with Sega, that is that's a really, really good step in the right direction for Xbox, and I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, that Xbox only gamers have got to be hopefully relieved and excited about that. Even though 14 isn't for me either, I'm glad to see that it's the start of something hopefully really exciting uh, between both parties. So that's 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 pretty yeah, good. That's absolutely, pretty good stuff. absolutely, yeah. Hype, man. That might be our best story of the of the segment. Um, thank you, Philip. All right, <laughs> we got to move on though, Pablo. It is time to get to the main event of the show. Uh, and that is the Checkpoint Chats. Let's get started. It's time for the Checkpoint Chats. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, your boys here at Cooldown Time love ranking our favorite games of all time to see how the classics of the past stack up against the modern-day masterpieces of the present. But as they say, hindsight is 2020. So we did some spring cleaning to our all-time rankings, and we both made some shocking discoveries. Some games soared up our rankings, and some games sank. So we're going to go round robin and reveal which of our all-time favorite games climbed the highest and which ones fell the farthest here in our main event. Mm -hmm. So Pablo, um, we are going to go, uh, as I said, round robin here. We also have some honorable mentions for the games that soared and sank as well, but we'll start with the big ones uh, first, and then we'll do honorable mentions after, if that's cool with you. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, But let's start start with the positives. Let's talk about the games that surged up our all-time rankings, Pablo. Uh, And I want to kick it over to you first with the first game on your list. Tell Tell us what it is, tell us where it was on your list, and where it is now and why. Mm Mm-hmm. That first game is going to be Resident Evil 2 Remake specifically, where it was unranked, uh, just all of Resident, Resident Evil wasn't even on my top, Damn. you know, 
50, top 75, you know. But where it's at now, it's actually top 20. Uh, that's where it, it's landed. Um, it, I was never a fan of the of, of, of Rainbow. Oh, sorry, Rainbow. Hey! I was never a fan go. of Resident Evil series. Uh, I got into it too late, and by that time, the tank controls were just a little bit too much for me to overcome. I always appreciate Resident Evil for what it was and what it means to the gaming community, sure, and, 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 and what it means to just horror games or you know scary games but it was just not for me and then the remake comes out and then it kind of changes all that it modernizes it modernizes the the formula in a way that's absolutely amazing and and just really it got me into like the whole entire uh, all of what resident evil is and i felt like the update itself was such a for me it's the best remake ever made in in my opinion um i just feel like it, it kind of captures the the essence of what resident evil is in the modern age in a way where it doesn't sacrifice the soul of the game like it still feels very much resident evil like the police station i always heard about the police station being an iconic area for resident evil 2 and it's still an iconic area in resident evil 2 and its surrounding areas the split story all that is is amazing and it's they they've made some minor changes in the story to make the game flow better it, it just feels it just it's an incredible game to play i I think it's one of my favorite it's probably my top most it's probably my favorite scary game of all time uh like horror game um so i (laughs) it's it's definitely reached my top 20 um and 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 honestly with time i think it might even go higher than that because it it is such an amazing experience i love how you call horror games scary games (laughs) scary 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 five-year-old ass out of here (laughs) <laughs> I, first of all, I said scary and not scaly, which you know. Okay. Then at that point, we could have really, you know, yeah. called me out on that. But but no, in all, all seriousness, it's dope that like this is one of the beauties of like remakes in general, right? Because you can yeah. you can usher in a new audience. It's not always just for the people that remember the original. It's to bring in new people like Pablo that you know that you know for one reason or another, Resident Evil just did not do it for him. But this is a game that that brought him in and got him hooked into the the, the Resident Evil universe and um and and he's been around ever since, which is it, it speaks volumes about just how good the RE2 remake truly was. So yeah, it's definitely good yeah. to see that it's sort up your list like that. It's maybe excited for more Resident Evil. Like was I never yeah. never a thing like I want to see Resident Evil Code Veronica remake. I want that like badly. I don't have no reference for what Code Veronica mm-hmm. is, but I want it. You know. Yeah. No, it totally makes sense to me, man. Mm-hmm. Um, let me go ahead and drop my first game that soared up my all-time list recently, and that is Cyberpunk 2077. Now we all know the story. Cyberpunk 2077 had one of the most abysmal launches in in, uh, potentially video game history with the litany of bugs and crashes and issues that it had across all of its platforms. But, um, you know, uh, initially I had that game at a low rank because uh, of all those issues. I had it around like the 50s um, on my list at one point. But through the patches and updates and fixes and obviously the things they've done to kind of save face. And then uh, with how good Phantom Liberty DLC is looking, uh, which is coming very soon, um, I actually realized, you know what, I I really love this game a lot. I love the story. I love the characters. I love the world. Night City is just, it, it's incredible. Even if a lot of it's window dressing and you can't really interact with it enough i still think it's a it's an entrancing engaging world to look at and to move through uh and it's a believable one too so it went from being in the 50s for me uh to all the way up to my number 20 spot 
um, which uh, I'm I'm pretty surprised about. I, I never thought it would it would reach that high because of all the issues that it came out with. But the course correction for that game has been uh, very commendable, and the, the experience is is more than playable now and um, beyond enjoyable for me. So uh, yeah. I had to give it I had to give it more credit uh, now that it's been fixed and it's good to go yeah. uh, which is why it's at 20 for me that's a game that i thought about putting on my list as well but i'm i i'm kind of in the wait and see with it i think phantom liberty is going to do a lot for me in terms of where it lands it's definitely going to be in in the top portion of my list i just don't know exactly where to put it so i decided to leave it off until until further notice yeah gotcha all right well why don't you go ahead and jump in with the next game that soared up your all-time list what do you got at Elden Ring, I mean, as soon as I, I, I beat it last year, oh, I didn't beat it, but as soon as I put 100 and, uh, 120 say, hours don't, don't into lie on it, this. Don't lie 120 on this. hours, uh, I, you know, I I immediately put this on my top 10. I put it like around 10, 9 around there just because I, 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 I love what this was, but it's it since then has soared sixth all time now currently on my list. That's top ten, wow. number six. Yeah, look, from Software took everything I thought I knew about Souls games and then completely flipped it on its head, changed the formula up. Not only did it make the series for me of uh, those kinds of games better, I think it made the previous games like the Dark Souls. Uh, obsolete like i know i'm sure that the the, that some of the from software faithful will hear this and think disagree but i think their disagreement is instinctive i think when when you look at what this game is it still has the 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 design level design of the old games of, of 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 dark souls one two and three but it has them in corners of a giant map, you're no longer in a hub world where you touch a, where you look at a little thing, you go in there and it loads the map. It's no longer that. It's this open world, and each corner of the of that map has those moments, and it has them more than any other games that you are actually looking for. I think that it would be hard for me to go back to Dark Souls three and enjoy it as much as Elden Ring. I think that they've kind of painted themselves in a corner, especially for this particular fan, where if they ever were to make a Dark Souls four. Or it would be hard for them to go back to that that formula in, in a way. I, I think they have their, their work cut out for them with what Elden Ring 2 could potentially be. But I think that they've completely changed the formula. And I foresee that this is going to be kind of the way that they make these kind of games for, uh, for the future. But it is absolutely an astonishing game. Everything about this game is is, is, is it's just amazing. I, I, I Yes, the story is, is, is non-existent. For those that don't really look up the lore, me included, I don't really give a shit about the lore itself. But just the gameplay, the the aesthetic, the 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 design, all of it, just it's just it's an amazing time. I, I it's a game that I truly is iconic for me, and it's a game that I could not live without compared compared to other games on my list. So I had to really bump down a lot of games, get out the way for Elden Ring because I love Elden Ring to death. Yeah, I think you're one of many people um, who've seen Elden Ring just kind of go full-blown bull in a china shop on on all-time lists because of the overwhelming quality, uh, undeniable quality of of that game. And and to your point, just the way that it evolves the formula to the point where it kind of makes the previous formula for Souls games kind of null and void now. Um, Yeah. Although we we see we see a lot of like Souls likes games do that formula still, um, I I think that there's no turning back for me um, personally now when it comes to Souls boring types of games because uh, because of Elden Ring. So I I agree with you there for sure. Um, yep. Next game on my list, 
uh, that soared up my all-time rankings is none other than Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Talk about it! Talk about it, the unlikeliest of games that I would not only enjoy but put in an all-time list. I, I didn't even have any intention of buying this thing, but um, you know, it, it went from being a game that I finished and loved and, th- and thought, okay, this is a this is one of my favorite games ever. But I had it in uh, like at, at number forty. And I've since moved that game up to the 19 spot on my all-time list. So it jumped up about 20 spots, and that's wow. That's a that's a big testament to um, just all of the amazing memories I have of that game. Um, such a well-written experience uh, coming from the makers of Deus Ex: Human Revolution and Mankind well, Divided. So you know the the, the pedigree was there to write a really special game. But even for me, Marvel, of all things, is not something that I have any excitement about getting into unless you're Spider-Man on uh, the, the PlayStation. That's that's pretty much the extent of my fanfare for Marvel anything. I don't even watch the movies. Um, so for this game to accomplish so much in terms of digging its hooks in me, um, really getting me to love this rendition of The Guardians, which I think is... I personally like them better than than the film adaptation. Um, I don't even think it's close for me. I think that everybody, especially Drax, he's that that's my favorite character of of the of the group in this game. And uh, you know, Rocket is Rocket, and I think that Peter Quill is uh, he's super dope too in this game. And I I think there's just there's so much to love about the way that this group of ragtag uh, heroes and fighters move through this story. The comedy is 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 actually digestible for me, which is very rare. Uh the combat was pretty fun. Um the 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 story beats hit really well. The the downtime in in the ship, I think, was like <laughs> very mass effecty for me, but it, it hit really well. because uh, I love I love listening to everybody's banter in there yeah. too. Did you did Ugh. you did you engage in that refrigerator thing? Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was so. The, the fridge that a, never closed. There's such a like. At first, I thought it was like a glitch. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And then he comments <laughs> on it. And I'm like, this is such a weird. This is such out of left field that I thought the game was fucking up. Yeah, man. It. Yeah. That's and it goes to show, Marco. It doesn't matter what the property is. If you're right, if you're gonna write, if you write a really good story, people are gonna come. And that's why I, I think people need to open their their minds a little bit when it comes to things like I don't like. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I don't, but if you write a really, really good story, it doesn't matter what it is. It's gonna, it, it's, it's gonna speak to people. And I think that's that's what Guardians does here for sure. I, I agree, man. That this is one hell of a game. I thought I was, sh- I could bet money. I would have put the mortgage on it uh, that if 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 this game is this game going to be good or bad, it was going to be bad. And it's so far from bad yeah. that it's it's actually it's actually incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think like the the pre-release trailers and coverage did not do this game justice at all. At um, all, it was marketed almost like a movie instead of being a great like game with a lot of great yeah. systems and features and mechanics. And I think that was the critical error there. But yeah, it, it, it's a top twenty game all time for me, uh, without question. But uh, absolutely. Turning back over to you, Pablo, what is another game that recently soared up your all time list? I mean, this is not going to shock you, but it is going to shock you in, in in my reasoning behind it. And that's Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, where it was, it was top 20 overall. Obviously, it's a great game, but now it's ninth overall. Now, oh. look, when you look at Nintendo franchises not named Zelda, 
I'm hard. I, it was hard pressed for me to find any other Nintendo IP that resonates so deeply with with me, other than Smash Bros. Ultimate specifically. More than Mario Kart, more than any Mario based spinoff. In fact, more than Mario games themselves. More than 3D Mario's and 2D Mario's. I had to come to a hard realization where I had to take down Super Mario World. I had to take down Mario 64 for my top 10 list. Though I love those games, nostalgia was a big fueling factor as to why they were there. But mm. Honestly, Smash Bros. Ultimate is the my quintessential Nintendo game that's not Zelda, right? When I think about Nintendo now, I think about that game. Obviously, it can't exist without the incredible IPs that Nintendo's created over the years. But in terms of the, the, the total package coming together, the fact that I'm not a huge fighting game and I love the combat in this game i love the fact that it's that is that it is simple but sneaky in terms of its depth i love the fact that you because it is so simple you can strategize while you're fighting i love the fun factor i love that it could be it could double as a party game i love that you can go real serious try hard 1v1 online i love this game for all the things that it is i i think it's 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 an exceptional package of a game i think it it it, it, it takes each of those characters treats them with respect and are built in a way that uh respect their individual individual franchises even if they're out of nintendo's uh purview like like solid snake uh, things of that sort like they just do such a good job with those characters and it's a fucking blast and i always have said this recently there's something to be said about fun video games that we don't give enough credit to games that are just fucking fun and this game is the epitome of fun for me it is it is absolutely amazing and it's top nine for sure like it's top 10 for sure when i look at other games that are that are you know fun games games like mario like i've mentioned they're good games but I, I, I can I, even more than Mario Kart, which is shocking to me. I can if I it was Mario Kart versus Smash Bros. It's not even close in terms of competition. What I'm picking, it's always going to be Smash Bros. And now the ultimate, it, it is technically pun intended, the ultimate package when it comes to that game. Mm. Love it at number nine, and even then might be a little low. I thought about that last night too. I was like, is this still low? I am actually surprised it wasn't in your top ten at all to begin it, with. So it feels it, like it justice was. has been served now. Yeah, top 20, when I say top 20, anything other than 10, but I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, actually I have it here, it was 12th for me, so it wasn't oh, far okay. off from it, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but, but the fact uh, that it would crack top 10 is a big deal, because that doesn't yeah, change, yeah. that doesn't happen a lot, so yeah, that's that's definitely and I, huge. And I'll be honest, sitting sitting here right here and, and talking to you about it, I do still feel it's pretty low. <laughs> Are you, gonna call that, a, you you want to call an audible in real time right now? No, because I have to I, I have to sit through this and, and look at other stuff on here. I mean, it would have to supplant like The Last of Us and Mass Effect Two and Witcher. Well, let's I'm not, not, ready let's to not make, go crazy. Let's yes, not go exactly. crazy. I'm not ready to make I'm not ready to make those <laughs> those proclamations yet. Move it back uh, down but, to twelve. <laughs> but I love Smash. I love it so much. As a matter of fact, I redownloaded <laughs> it uh, and uh, can't wait to get back into it a little later. So. Love yeah, it. Smash Brothers is it, it, it's a it, there's un, there's undeniable greatness to that franchise, um, and of course the celebration that it is for gaming is is undeniable. It never really captivated me um, because I've never been a huge Nintendo fan, so I could but I could only imagine if if I was how much this would mean to me, especially to get the literal ultimate version of this type of yeah. product. So yeah, it's it, more than nope. understandable. Yeah. It's the most hype trailer of all time where it's like, I wonder what characters are going to show up in this version of of uh, Final Fantasy. And they literally said, all of them are here. You're like, wait a minute. Every you single, just said Final uh, Fantasy. 
I'm sorry, uh, Jesus, of uh, Ultimates, because I'm looking at the I'm looking at the honorable mentions that I saw Fantasy on there. Uh, uh, okay. But anyway, uh, uh, yeah, everybody's ultimate hype moment, and I'm not even a Kingdom Hearts fan. And when they and they when they presented and showed uh, what's Sora Homeboy from yeah Sora, and that was emotional because it was the last character, and Sakurai always wanted him in there. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of stuff ha- happening with, with that, and that was great, man. Uh, it's what a fucking game. Yeah, it, yeah, for sure, for sure, undeniable good. Um, yeah. All right, my my third game that soared up my uh, all time list is uh, a game that many people would say is kind of a deep cut or a cult classic, but we've talked about this franchise very recently, um, and this game is Oxenfree. Um, this is a game by Night School Studios. Um, it's a very very high quality, well written, story driven game. Um, where a group of, of teens um, go to an island for a little uh, end of school year um, romp, I guess, uh, with, <laughs> with booze and, and hardcore drugs. Not, 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 not any hardcore drugs, just, just a, a weed brownie, I think one of them had. Um, but of course, supernatural things happen on this island, and it puts the, the whole crew in the thick of uh, a really, really fascinating um, story that... Um, ended up being at one point uh, in my top 100, but at around like the 60 mark uh, for me. But um, after playing the game again uh, a few weeks back, along with the sequel that recently came out, Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals, I have decided that that is far too low for Oxenfree to be. So Oxenfree is now in uh, the 25 spot for me all time. Uh, So a pretty big leap. Um, but I think pretty well-deserved. Um, I think the reason why it ended up so low at one point is because I think as time passed, I, I forgot some of the details about the game and how much I actually loved about it. But revisiting it this year reignited a lot of that love and passion that I have for this franchise. And uh, it, it started sticking out like a sore thumb pretty quickly that, okay, this is way lower than it's supposed to be. Um, and even though it's not a popular franchise by any stretch of the imagination, I think it's one of the best written franchises of all time in my opinion, now that we have two games for a sample size, um, I can say with confidence that Oxenfree belongs in uh, my upper echelon as uh, one of the greatest games that I've ever played, period. Yeah. So, number 25 from the 60 spot. So, big leap there, but very deserved in my Huge, opinion. Yeah. 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 All right. So, we do have some honorable mentions uh, for other games that that tiptoed up our list uh, before we get into the games that, that plummeted. Um, so real quick, Pablo, why don't you go ahead and run through real fast uh, what your honorable mentions were for games that soared a little bit. Yeah, Final Fantasy XV for me, a game that I always loved and it has a special place in my heart. I think after the the failure that was sixteen for me personally, I think it actually bolstered fifteen in my list in terms of what I felt a Final Fantasy 15, a game should feel like. And fifteen definitely feels like is it's one of the better entries in the last couple of years for me. And so it, it went up slightly from I think it was forty five and it went up to like thirty or or, or thirty two actually. Yeah, thirty two, which you know that's pretty high for me. But again, my exposure to Final Fantasy is 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 it's nitpicky. I don't have a lot of exposure to it, but I do love 15 so much. Uh, and then my other one is Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, I just didn't want to bog the show down too much with, with getting into it and geeking out about Rainbow Six Siege. It is my top 10 game. It's my number 10 game. It is the game that I put the most hours in. It's a game that I've been playing since 2015 with some breaks in between for sure. But so a game that is 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 my quintessential one. They ask me, what is your favorite multiplayer game? 
undoubtedly now it's Rainbow Six Siege. It, it used to be Overwatch before that, Call of Duty, Halo, sure, but now it is Rainbow Six Siege, and I think it's a game that I play so much, and a game that means so much to me in so many different ways, and, and I think a game that I doubted, you know, because it was like, they're, they're canceled Patriots to make this multiplayer bullshit, and it is the best multiplayer bullshit of all time. <laughs> um, so I love it, uh, and it's 10, until something else brings it down, but I think a game, a multiplayer game, I think deserves to be in my top 10, and it's definitely this game, for sure. Yeah, I'll piggyback off of you on that one. My, it, it shut up my list pretty well, too. Um, it, it, it probably should have been in my main three, but I knew that you were going to talk about it, so I didn't want to kind of double up on it too much. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's in my top 15 now of all time. Yeah. So it, it, it jumped pretty high, but it's, it's just because it's so replayable and so fun and so tactical that every match really does feel unique and different uh, with a, a whole different ebb and flow every time. And, and you can't you don't you don't see a lot of games that do that very well. Yeah. So. Yep. Big testament to that. My honorable mentions, though, are Grand Theft Auto Five, uh, which yeah. I don't care what anybody says. Um, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> There's a weird stigma around Five. I think because it's been around for so long, and because GTA Online has been such a big part of that product, that I think people look at it and go, that, "That shouldn't be very high." But it it went from being in my top twenty five to being all the way up to my number seventeen spot. Um, because it's it's my most replayed GTA ever. I've played through that campaign at least five or six times, I think, uh, across um, many generations. Um, and every time I play it, I, I love it just as much. And I think it was just time for me to stop worrying about the GTA Five stigma and and just admit that yeah, this is a, this is one of my favorite games ever. I love the setting, I love the characters, I love the the gameplay actually, and I just felt immersed in that world from beginning to end. And enough for me to keep coming back to it. Never really dabble too much in online stuff uh, honestly that was never for me so i'm strictly saying single player is the reason why it's here yeah. it's not because i have any connection to the online part of it yeah um, and, and, to yeah. Be on, and to be honest with you I, i'm just not a fan of the certain uh there's certain uh grand theft auto games the philosophy behind its design that i don't like i don't like san andreas and i don't like grand theft auto 5 i i think those games are super bloated a lot of stuff i think uh, andreas has better characters than five i hate all the characters from five i think they're forced i didn't like this game from day one so it's not like a, a thing that it was like in retrospect but I've, obviously grand theft auto 4 is one of my favorite games of all time so uh, five is just the philo- the way that that game is made and and the kind of grand theft auto it is it's not particularly one that i'm a fan of but obviously the quality of that game is absolutely amazing rockstar makes incredible games yeah uh for sure and i hate that for you and i hate you also <laughs> um and my 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 uh, last honorable mention is final fantasy 8 uh this has always been a game that has hovered around the top 10 it's been in it's been out and i think i finally committed to, to keeping it in the top 10 at the number 10 spot um after floating it around a little bit, I, I think that Final Fantasy VIII gets such a bad rap uh, in, in the in the RPG community. Um, sure, some aspects of its combat system are not particularly great in comparison to other games in the series, and I think people kind of dunk on Squall as the protagonist a little too hard. I think he's actually a really good character, and I think people have over exaggerated him as this overly emo guy. I mean. Y'all love Cloud, and he's almost just as bad, if not worse, than than Squall ever was. So I think it's a little weird bias going on there. But I thought this was a really bold and creative Final Fantasy. That was a huge departure from the overly fantasy like stuff, where this was more about like students in this in this um, academy. 
um, and it felt much more re- like much more real with people that looked like people. It, it got away from like the sprites and the spiky hair, and it did something that was a little bit a little bit more grounded. Um, I thought it had a great villain in Ultimecia. She looked cool. She had great dialogue. It was actually a really underrated follow up to Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII. And I thought that world was great. The soundtrack was great. And I think it ended really, really well uh, in a way that left me going, damn, that's uh, th- that's going to be an all-timer for me, even when I played it as a kid. Um, so I think even though other games have kind of tinkered in and out of that top 10 list, Final Fantasy VIII just started looking like one that belonged in there to stay. And I think yeah. I'm ready to finally lock that in now, unless something new comes along that bumps it out again, which would suck. But um, right now, eight to me, deserves to be uh, in that top 10. So that's where it is, man. Um, All right. Well, not everything soared, as we said at the top of this. Some stuff sank down. Uh, so we are going to run through the uh, the three games that that sank down our uh, all time list, and I'm going to start with you, Pablo. So give me your uh, your your not so big three. Um, and, and, and and real quick though, they sank, but we want to be clear yes. that we still love these games. It's not exactly. like we decided oh they're terrible now. So let's let's yeah, be yeah, yeah. very upfront about that first. But go ahead, Pablo. Floor is yours. Yeah. Uh, Overwatch. Um, look. You can't even play Overwatch anymore. The, at least the OG Overwatch, and and that's right. that's horrible. But anyway, it, it was my number eleven, and it dropped down to uh, my in my top forty. Um, it, mm. It's just look, I I think the fall Overwatch the, the fall Overwatch two is something people are watching closely. It's it's unfortunate. I think that they try to keep the game fresh, and it just didn't work for them. Uh, they killed the original Overwatch, and I think the fact that they've thought that they had to revamp Overwatch, I think, kind of is 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 it, it gives my my sentiment a point where I think that we fell out of Overwatch. I think it, we 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 played everything we possibly could. I don't think there was much left juice in that uh, in Overwatch. So I feel like. With Rainbow Six coming up and it just being the, the gift that keeps on giving, I almost just felt like Overwatch did what it had to do. And at the time, I felt very strongly about it being in my number 11. It was even in my top 10 at one point. Uh, but it, it comes to a point now where I think other games have done better. Uh, I think other games have been handled better. And ultimately, for me, Overwatch is a game that still... If they gave me the ability to play original Overwatch, I feel I have a, I have a feeling that but in order for them to save Overwatch 2, that they're going to somehow implement Overwatch 1 back into it like a mode. And that's something that I'll definitely try and check out. But ultimately, for me, it's just a game that I think I got my enjoyment out of it. And it's a game that I grew out of. And it's just not really a game that I feel comfortable having it so high on my list. It, you know, all the other noise be damned. That's not really the reason why it's sank. It's just the fact that the original Overwatch, I think we got out of it a lot of what we could. It just ultimately just... It, it, it just... It just wasn't the same anymore, uh, and I've you know and you know I think uh, Rainbow Six course corrected that market corrected the multiplayer game for me as well, so that's why it dropped. Yeah, much like what you said about Rainbow Six going up, I, I actually am going to piggyback off of you again and say that the same thing yeah. happened to me with Overwatch, where it is in my 40s spot uh, or bracket as well. Yeah, uh, for the same reasons, I think you know when it was when it was hot, it was white hot, man. It was a lifestyle yeah. game for us. Every night we played, every single every single day, as much as we could, and it was fun. And it was fun when it was being supported right. And I think that's the key. And 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 what ended up ultimately being the fate of overwatch that we're seeing unfold right now through what's going on with overwatch 2's numbers and engagement is that you know it just it didn't get managed well 
and it kind of got the it caught the bad side of Blizzard that we've seen yeah. in recent years where it you have a winning formula and somehow you figured out a way to make it worse. And then you take away the opportunity we have to play the, the, the original game uh, because you want to just funnel everybody into the new thing. And you make things 10 times worse. And so, yeah, I agree with you. It, it's a game that I wish could have stayed up as high as it used to be, but just the way that things have panned out for that game and the franchise, it was hard to justify keeping it high on my list either. Um, my game that sank, uh, I talked about Final Fantasy a little while ago. I actually have Final Fantasy X as a game that sank down my list. Um, it, it, at one point, this game was as high as 8 for me. Um, but it fell all the way down to the 34 spot for me. And I think a lot of this came from again we, we, clarifying that we still think these games are great i still i still love final fantasy 10 i think sure, the, sure. the problem with final fantasy 10 in hindsight is that i find a lot of the story to be to not have aged well um and, and, and it's hard to hold it against the game it's very much a product of its time but at the same time i've seen other final fantasies that are old persist and in, in, in hold up well narratively in a way that I think 10 doesn't. Um, I don't think it has a very compelling set of villains in that game. I think there's a lot of really boring moments in that game. A lot of like very tribal stuff going on with Yuna and very, you know, praise be the gods, the fictitious gods in, in, in the game uh, that they have. And it, it just got very sleepy for me in, in returning to it uh, not too long ago. And I kind of realized that a lot of the characters in that game, while I like them on the surface, they don't really grow or evolve a lot by the time the game is over. Uh, other than Titus and maybe Yuna, I think a lot of them, like Riku and Oron and, and, and Lulu, they don't really... They don't. Really, I don't even remember the name of the blue monster guy. I don't. I don't even remember his name. They they get they just they just kind of became forgettable to me. Um, and I guess comparing against other Final Fantasies, I, I didn't have that feeling as much. So I felt like um, I it didn't make sense anymore to keep it as high as it used to be because a lot of what I used to like about it just kind of started feeling a bit flimsy as 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 the years went by and I looked at things in retrospect. So. Um, I have it at 34 now from eight to 34, pretty, pretty drastic, but yeah, that's what I got. I, yeah, I guess you're right. Cause you said the blue monster guy and I was, I'm like, what are we? Yeah, the, 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 some final fantasy fans going to be screaming his name. No, out I know. I know. Listening to him, but I know, who you, I know who you're talking about. Um, uh, Kamari. I think that's his name. Yeah. yeah. I think it's Kamari. I think you're talking about Kamari. Yeah. Um, do you remember yeah. Seymour? That's the villain of the game. No, <laughs> exactly, no. exactly. Yeah. So it's like, what are we doing here? You know, like no, it, it, I, to, to I, me, it didn't make sense to keep it. It's one of my favorite Final Fantasy games. Uh, I'm not even particularly a fan of Titus, but I I love Riku, I love Waka, I love uh, Lulu. But you know, it, I, I agree. <laughs> a lot of the story stuff was a little bit. Even when I revisited, it, I think a couple of years ago, I was kind of like, Ugh. yeah. Uh, so yeah. I hope that the. the the rumor is that they're remaking it. I hope that they do the same thing with Final Fantasy VII, where the remake itself is they're using these characters, but they're putting them in a different, uh, in a different place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, go ahead and uh, hit us with your next one. This might shock the shit out of some people, no pun intended, but what do you got? Yeah, man, that's going to be Bioshock. Ooh, um, that sank down your list? Sank like the, like, sank down an ocean? 
Yeah, uh, top fifteen to like now Bioshock. top. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Like hey, rapture. like rapture. Look at you with the puns and the shut up, bro. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> top fifteen. Uh, now is my top forty. Ooh, you can damn. Al- look. At, you can always appreciate game for its contributions to to the industry. That doesn't sure. mean you have to keep that game on the pedestal. And I think I've been keeping Bioshock on the pedestal for far too long. Thank you. Bioshock is undoubtedly amazing for its time, and it's still a really good game. But it's a game of two halves. A second half nobody talks about, and people tend to give a pass because of the would-you-kindly twist of the game, which is still one of the best twists in games, but it, 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 it's a game that peaked with so much of it left to play. The combat was fun, but it has since been done better. Uh, boss designs were cool, but the actual fights were fine. Dreadful final boss with Atlas. Uh. And the and the much-talked-about choices you make with the Little Sisters were so laughably obvious, cut and dry, good and bad, that it barely felt like a choice at all. It's definitely a game that other games owe a lot to, and ultimately, it just doesn't hang. I don't even think it hangs with, with, with uh, Bioshock Infinite, which is a game that much uh, people don't like and, 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 and even uh, think it's the worst of the series. I still think that Bioshock Infinite does all the things better than, than Bioshock in terms of the combat, in terms Oof. of the anime, in terms of the characters, in terms of of, of even the sense of place. I I I th- I think that uh, Columbia is a better uh, overall designed uh, than, than compared to Rapture. I, I think obviously the, the the story of Rapture and and, and Andrew Ryan. I, I think that that's really cool. I love all that. I think that the way it's written, I think the quality of writing, I think Ken Levine's vision, I think all that's awesome. I think it's a, it's a great game and for other games to kind of be inspired from. But all but when you look at games and the way they age, I just think Bioshock does a bad job of it. Especially when you look at, at Bioshock 2 and Minerva's Den specifically, which is still fantastic. It, it's so it, well, look you going back to Bioshock, it is a tough uh a tough free play, at least for me. Again, you can appreciate a game for its contributions to the industry, but keeping that game on a pedestal just based on that alone just feels a little bit disingenuous to what I'm trying to do with my list, where it's not a game that I even want to ever play again. So, you know, mm. I'm looking forward to, to the next Bioshock. I think it, it, the, the the quality of that franchise has afforded me the, the, the ability to be excited for the next Bioshock. Sure. It's just going back to the original. I love it for what it was, for what it did. It's still in the top 40 uh, of my list. But yeah, nothing to sneeze ulti- at. Yeah. yeah. But ultimately, it's just not a game that I feel... That would hang in the top fifteen, top twenty, top thirty of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, I mean, you've always been more fond of of the Bioshock series than me. Uh, yeah. I've always, you know, people can flame me if they want to, but I've always thought that Bioshock is largely overrated. Um, so I'm not too sad to see it drop down your list, to be honest with you, because even though it does do some really interesting and creative things, I I think a lot of that game and really the series in general was built in in such a pretentious way um where it, it the series always felt up its own ass because of ken levine um <laughs> trying to be you know this this almost the you know the Auteur. christopher the christopher nolan I, I that's why i laughed because i said <laughs> ken levine is your christopher nolan he like, is bro yeah. he is um just very the, the snootiest of snooty developers and yeah he's put out some some all-time great work um you know over his years but i've i've never loved bioshock enough to hold it in high regard like that so um you know uh, the part the messy part of me is like yeah let us <laughs> see I mean, down look if we look at it the game by parts 
and 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 Ken Levine as a creator, I'm extremely excited for Judas and, and see what that game is oh, going to be. Yeah, I'm but too. I mean, but yeah, but in terms of this game, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, this one might be a little controversial, but the next game uh, that that sank down my list is uh, Halo Three, and I'm actually going to cheat a little bit and say that really all the mainline Halo games plummeted off my list. Um, Halo 3 went from being in my top 30 down to, let me let me pull it up, 88. It's in oh, the 80s out here. come on! In these streets. Jeez, I, that hurts so much. Halo 2, oh, actually Halo 2 is a little bit higher. I, I, okay. In hindsight, I like Halo 2 a little bit more. Hell yeah. But Thank Halo Combat like- Evolved is completely off my list. I don't have Halo 4 anywhere on my list. I have I have bumped Halo very far down, and I think a lot of it is that. How about Infinite? Sorry to interrupt. Oh, I don't have it. It, it ain't even touching this. It's not even in the ballpark. It's not on my list at all. Hmm. Um, here's the thing with Halo. I I there's always going to be something classic about that gameplay. Um, it still feels good to this day. It's a little floaty with the jumping nowadays, but like the gunplay still feels really good. The problem with Halo now for me is that a lot of the things that used to kind of irk me a little bit about Halo's like mission design and quest design and level design has really gotten on my nerves now (laughs) as time has gone on. Um, I, I would even go as far as to say that I think a lot of the campaign structure of Halo games are not as good as I think a lot of people said they were. They're fun games. They're 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 good times. I think people put a little too much sauce on those campaigns being great campaigns. Um, story wise, yeah, interesting stuff. Um, particularly with Halo Two and onward, they do a lot with the story before three four three came in and screwed it all up, of course. But particularly with just the the level design, a lot of those areas look repetitive. Sometimes they're just indistinguishable from one another. You can get lost very easily, even in small confined corridor spaces, because everything is like cut and pasted and looks the same. Um, Everything is is very boxy. Um, It even was back back then. And I I just think I've never liked the overall aesthetic of Halo. Um, And so as fun as the gameplay is and the shooting is, I just don't enjoy moving around those levels. I just, I've, I don't recall any level save for maybe two or three across the the history of Halo that really stood out to me as great. Um, and, and most of the ones that were, were kind of like the more open ones that didn't have to rely on true design of like okay how are you going to navigate me through this covenant ship how are you going to navigate me through this base um i think halo has always been poor at that and i finally kind of decided to just own up to the fact that i don't enjoy um a lot of what halo is in terms of its campaign and 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 particularly its uh environmental design um it just had to go it had to go Uh, it's gonna bother some people because that love halo and i love halo but i I don't love it too much well, to know. not be honest about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I agree with everything you said. I just think eighty is so brutal. But you know, you know, it, this is our list. You know, our individual list, and it's to our liking. I, I think Halo Two is is in, in my top thirty. 
Halo uh, ODST, ODST is in my top is in my top twenty. I forgot to clarify. Uh, yeah, I said. Well, I did yeah. say mainline. Mainline. You ODST mainline. is is still pretty in a, is still in a pretty good spot. It's in my top fifty, so it's yeah, not it, that low. But yeah, yeah. The main yeah, lines yeah. I had to I had to move them hose down. Sorry, Chief. I, I agree to, to I agree to an extent. I don't. I, I'm not there yet with the eighties, but. Over time, what's weird is we long time ago on this show we had a segment where we kind of argued Gears of War versus Halo in yeah. terms of what was best, and I and I and um you know I had the Halo part of it, and in my heart I really felt that Halo was just the better everything just because of what it meant again to gaming. But I did the mistake of putting a, a game on a pedestal based on its contributions to games. Now while Gears of War may not have contributed too much in terms of the overall arcing how you make games of it, I think. It's close to show Gears of War has has lasted the, the test of time in terms of quality because all those games, including Judgment, are way better in my and how I feel about games when compared to Halo. Because hey, I do I, I do struggle with it, uh, Combat Evolved. I don't even know where I would put it. I think it's in my top sixty, and I, it doesn't belong there. It's definitely mm-hmm. lower than that. So, and all the Gears games besides uh, Judgment is, is like they're like in my top fifty. So, it, it, it's 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 um. Yeah, there you it's go. tough because yeah. I'm a huge Halo fan, but coming to the realization of, yeah, that that they they didn't just fumble the ball with Infinite. They've been fumbling that ball for quite some time. Yeah, it's it, it's it doesn't get talked about a lot because people have so much nostalgia towards the franchise, and I do too. But I'll be damned, man. I mean, some of that, some of those, some of those missions are just just brutal. Um, yeah, and, and they always were annoying to me. But you know, like I said, as time has gone on, you, you kind of you know, you, you kind of look at things more rationally after a while, and you go, "Damn, yeah. this was that wasn't fun either." Oh, this this mission I, was annoying too. Oh, that oh the library mission that really yeah. sucked too. You know, and then you're like, "Damn, well, what what do I like about this campaign?" Well, you know, and that's kind of where I struggle with the '80s with your ranking is because the multiplayer was so good, and still I think I love it so much. So it, it's, it's yeah. for me, it's equal parts what Halo is with the single player. Um, so that's where. I, but yeah, I get it. I get it. All right. Well. Um, Speaking of gut punches, you got you got you got a doozy coming up next. Uh, this is yeah. this is, is going to be an interesting one. Tell us what your next one is on on games it's, that sink. The 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 my mindset is the same with with Bioshock with this game. It's Half Life Two. Mm. Uh, now now now, admittedly, it went from uh, top fifteen. Uh, like actually, uh, it's twelve was was twelve to top twenty five. So it's not like the drastic sink, but this is a game that's always flirted with my top ten list for as long as I can remember. Uh, and and looking at it objectively, and just kind of uh, thinking about it the same way I think about Bioshock, where again, and I've already said this a few times, you can appreciate the game for what its contributions to gaming. You don't have to put it on a pedestal. And I think Half Life Two, I think a lot of what Half Life Two did it just isn't interesting anymore marco and i were talking about it off here yesterday while playing some rainbow six shout out to rainbow six (laughs) is the fact that um that the physics stuff about this game which has that lineage is carried over to like half-life alex with with the whole vr stuff i just don't think it's very interesting anymore i think it's actually bad now obviously at the time it was good and it's hard to kind of judge games based on the fact well it used to be good now it's not as good but i also think the story of half-life 2 isn't very interesting i think that the chapters the half-life chapter one and two are way better than the base game yeah for sure. um 
and even from because I, I kind of saw a story playthrough of Alex just because I don't have a VR headset. I think that's leaps and bounds better than, than Half Life Two as well. Uh, so you know, I, I appreciate Half Life for everything it's done. Uh, I, I I think Gordon Freeman is is the best silent protagonist ever, just because <laughs> of says nothing and just so much. He's so popular and, and he's so iconic. But um, I think just at the end of the day, I think a lot of games have done what Half Life Two has attempted to do with with its storytelling and and it. it world and building that world i think there are a lot of games have done so much better um with that uh you know and 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 just so much better written games out there you know i know half-life 2 was goaded for a long time for its story um i think it's silly now in retrospect i don't think it's that well written um and you know I, I, this is what we do i mean these ga- these games are not stuck or attached to our list in perpetuity they're not just because they're top 10 doesn't mean they're always going to be top 10 sure. 20 30 40 times happen every game that comes out is technically better than the last just based on technology it's how we feel about those games overall and i think the half-life 2 has kind of expired in terms of its contributions to games and what the, the physics and, and all that milk has gone bad yeah, just a little bit. You know, I, I would be absolutely ecstatic and lose my ever-loving shit if Half-Life 3 was ever a thing or even Episode 3 were ever to come out just because I understand the pedigree uh, of the of the franchise and if they are going to make a 3 or another episode, I understanding that they're going to try to revolutionize gaming again. Uh, that's the excitement behind that. But as it stands, Half-Life 2 is uh, has met his... <laughs> it's, it, it's had its Half-Life. Uh, <laughs> oh. it's, uh, so it is what it is, man. Uh, but... Yeah, that's where I'm at. How you about you, You can't get on me for my bad puns about Bioshock after that bullshit. Um, <laughs> listen, I, I I harbor a lot of blame towards Valve for this problem because I feel like they abandoned Half-Life so needlessly, like they did with Left 4 Dead and, and a lot of other things. It, it was just annoying to see the drop-off after such a white-hot ending to Half-Life 2's uh, episode, episode 2. two. Yeah. And it took all the way up until Half-Life Alex comes out to, to finally tell us what happens next. And, and, and It's truly the episode us, 3. It really is. But it's just a damn shame because there, there could have been so much they, they, they could have done with Half-Life 2, like a remake of Half-Life 2. Get some of the old aspects of that game a little bit more up to par and up to speed. And I think, you know, and not leave it to fans to have to do these, like, Black Mesa Project, the remake, yeah. unofficial remake of Half-Life. Like, stuff like that is so irritating for me when it comes to Valve. Because, yes, they, they have their money printer with Steam, and I get that. You don't have to make anything anymore if you don't want to. But, damn. I mean, Half-Life 2 could have used so much more love um, just with more updates or, or more episodes to make it a, you know, a, a more complete product instead of the, the, the absolute cliffhanger that it turned out to be. Yeah, a lot of that has to do with the fact that obviously Steam was, was, was about to, 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 to be a thing. And then the fact that their, their actual structure in company is that there's no leaders in that company besides Gabe. And they are able to break off into any groups and work on different things. And I think that because Half-Life 2 and the expectation of 3 and the other episodes were so big, I think a lot of those creators decided, you know what, we're not touching this with a 10-foot pole because I don't know if we can, if we can actually achieve the expectations. And then time festered this fucking game and it just became almost an impossible task to make Half-Life 3. Because I'm telling you right now, even if Half-Life 3 ever is a thing, I don't think it'll ever reach the hype that the game has behind in terms of the quality of it, just because it's impossible at this point. It's reached that that level of, of, of impossible expectations. So, 
Uh, yeah. So it's, it's it, it, a lot of things happen, and it got caught mm-hmm. there. I'm just I'm just kind of. I think that Valve's fucked up for not licensing this out for someone else. I'm sure there's plenty of developers out there that would have loved to. As a matter of fact, Arcane was working on a Half Life, um, Ravenclaw, I think, or Raven something that they were going to do. Raven Home, um, yeah, something like that they were going to. Um, like, said Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. I showed it. Harry Potter, boy, <laughs> that's right. Uh, <laughs> and I said that with a straight face, hoping nobody caught it. Absolutely, like, mm, leaned hey. into the microphone with his eyebrow raised. Yeah, Ravenclaw, Raven, Ravenclaw, hang. Hey. Uh, but yeah, and so they didn't even do that. So they canceled that game. So man wants Half Life Hufflepuff out here, and you want to sit here and talk about video games. Man, I don't uh, take a Half Life Hufflepuff. All right, we'll take a puff of this, Pablo. Uh, the, the next game that sank down. <laughs> <laughs> the next game that sank down my all-time list is Elden Ring. Um, mm. earlier when I said that Final Fantasy VIII got put back in my top 10, uh, Elden Ring was actually the game that got kicked out. Um, okay. so it went from being in the 10 spot for me and it just kind of tumbled and tumbled and tumbled and tumbled and it, crazy. it fell down to number 29 for me on oh. my all time list. Ain't no- how did you do that with your voice by the way i don't know man listen my whole body is weird yeah clearly um mostly in the brain cavity but Mm -hmm. nevertheless i find that elden ring for me is a really difficult game to come back to um i my first playthrough with elden ring felt like lightning in a bottle it was like I'm locked in. There is nothing else I want to play. This is the game I'm going to like completely obsess over and no life as much as possible. And I, I managed to have an, an amazing time with the game coming from somebody, mind you, that does not like Soulsborne games mm-hmm. uh, or never really even finished one. And lo and behold, I play 90 something hours of this. I finish it and I, you know, I go, damn, I did that. And I, what, a, what an amazing experience. But coming back to the game recently was actually surprisingly jarring for me because I felt like all of the things that nagged me about my first playthrough were like doubly as annoying the second time around in a way that I don't think I, I really saw because I was just so entranced with, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm beating bosses in, an Elden Ring, in Elden Ring. I didn't think I can do that. I didn't think I'd actually be good or make progress. I never make progress in these games. And I think the, the excitement of conquering those bosses kind of, it, it was like a smokescreen in a way that kept me from really looking at a lot of the game's flaws. Um, and I'm not saying this game is, is painfully flawed. It's still one of the greatest games of all time to me and, and of course, to you, as you said earlier. I just think that a lot of the, the, the design of, the, of that game, a lot of the navigation, particularly on foot, I like, I like the horse uh, you know, navigation, very, very responsive. But I think a lot of the on foot stuff feels very um, heavy and, and, and sticky. It doesn't feel good to move around a lot in that game. I think there's a lot of weird input response stuff with some of the combat where hitting a button to initiate an attack feels like it doesn't, it, the attack doesn't happen in a, in a good timing for me. Um, I also felt like the story in the world um, really didn't hold up particularly well for me uh, either. The story I always hated. I, yeah. I've, I've historically called it arrogantly awful in that it, 
you know, I hate to keep saying the same term, but this is another story that kind of fills up its own ass too. It's uh, everybody's cryptic. No one speaks straightforwardly. Everybody's being super riddly and rhymy. And I, I, it, it feels so uninviting to be in that world. And I'm sure that that's intentional based on you being the quote unquote, the tarnished. And, you know, not everybody's really rocking with you like that out here, but at the same time, the world just didn't feel particularly inviting or um, interested in being interesting. It just looked beautiful. It was a lot of very beautiful scenery and a lot of beautiful environments. And, you know, they do they do dark fantasy very well in this game. But I just felt like a lot of the lore around the game and a lot of the things that make um, that, that would compel me to normally play a game with narrative just weren't handled well enough. And so I felt like coming back to it is like all I really have to hold on to now is the 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 combat but I don't really feel interested in this world anymore and it kind of it sunk this game back down to where I've always looked at other souls games where it's like none of these worlds really stick out to me um they're all cool and they're all cryptic and they're all very well well designed and they look interesting there just doesn't seem to be a lot of substance amid all of that very pedantic and uh cryptic stuff that they do around it so it to me it's uh it's an all-time favorite game of mine still but i think i've come back down to earth a little bit now that the rush of of beating the game is over and i've realized that that it's a little bit more of a rigid playthrough than i thought yeah that's fair that's fair um Nevertheless, uh, we do have a few quick honorable mentions for games that sank, so we'll talk through those really fast. Pablo, why don't you go ahead and run through yours real fast? Uh, yeah, uh, Ghost of Tsushima uh, comes up. I always had a problem with the first half of this game, but the second half of this game is so awesome that I kind of forgot that. I went back to Ghost of Tsushima fairly recently, and I was like, man, this is a boring fucking game, oh, at least at the man. beginning. The that Mongols. First, the yeah, Mong- that f- we have to stop the Mongols. <laughs> I know that first uh, chapter was painful and and then obviously the game got a lot better but chapter two was also very like just not a lot going on there so it's a game that I had pretty high I think I had a a top 30 at one point but it is that my it's at my top 50 now top 60 actually Mm. I I, I like it I I, I like it it's like it's like 61 right now I like it a lot it's just unfortunately it's it's a game again of two halves first half is just so boring I can't in good conscience keep it on my list when I have a huge problem with the fucking first half of the game uh (laughs) My second game is Celeste. It's a game that didn't drop too much. It, it, it was at one point in my top 10, then dropped to my top 15, top 20. It is a top 30 game for me. Uh, I love Celeste to death. It's just when I, it just, it, it just became a, a, a victim to other games. Like looking at this game and comparing and calling, it just like kind of like Elden Ring did to you. It just kept falling and falling and falling and falling. I appreciate Celeste. I appreciate the story, the difficulty, and how that compares to, to mental struggles and all that. I love that entire mix of gaming play, gameplay play and story being told i love her that character i love um everything about that game it's just at the end of the day in terms of quality and other games that are on my list it's just a game that i felt just kind of just fell off a little bit it, it the it's magic on me wore off just quite a, just a, enough to where it dropped out of uh, of where i had it but yeah that's where i'm at all right well, my honorable mentions, uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater, which is probably blasphemous for people. Um, you but this to hurt me. You're doing this to hurt me. It went up from, uh, well, it went down, actually. It was, uh, at one point, years ago, I had it as high as 8. And as time went on, years went by, I think I've realized more and more that, that a lot of MGS3 
just didn't really appeal to me over the Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2, which are both in my top five all time, just for perspective. Uh, so, you know, Snake Eater is, is in my mid-30s right now. Um, and a lot of it is because uh, I think a lot of the mechanics just don't hold up very well anymore. Uh, They never really did. They were always annoying to me, even at the time. So I can't even say that, oh, now I don't like it, but back then I loved it. The the frequent going, I I call this game Menu Gear Solid 3 for a reason. You go in that menu to do everything from changing camo and face paint 27 times in, in 10 minutes to constantly getting injured and having to pull out uh you know bullets and suture yourself and I, it, those things sound really cool like eating every couple of minutes so your stamina stays high that those things sound really immersive and and cool <sighs> and then after a while it just gets disgusting um <laughs> because you're constantly going to the menus that you got to take stuff out of your backpack to put it in your inventory and then when you got to get something out, you got to put from your inventory to your backpack you spend so much time in the menus in that game that i think it just ruined the pace for me and i also thought that a lot of the bosses in the cobra unit except for the boss to me were just way too over the top and forgettable um in comparison yeah everybody always talks about the sniper fight i think that was overrated i think that the fight with the spider guy and the guy with the wasps all those guys i think all of that the only one i liked was the sorrow because it wasn't an actual fight it was more of an experience it was very chilling if you kill people right right but other than that, I just thought it was uh, it was a you know it was written well. It was just a lot of the gameplay and the menu uh, based hell I was in with that. Just it it drug it down for me, and it got to the point where I'm like, I, it's just not the kind of Metal Gear that I I came to love. So it's in my mid 30s now. And then um, Fallout Four, uh, Fallout Four didn't fall far. It uh, no pun intended again, but it went from being in my mid 30s to my mid 40s. Um, I think just some of it is because um, the Fallout formula to me uh, has since kind of gotten a little stale in, in my eyes. I, I still enjoy it, but looking back on Fallout 4, um, I think that there were some missed opportunities with a lot of side content and side quests to be more interesting um, and to make some of the exploration a little bit more worthwhile. Um in comparison to what I think New Vegas did really well, and even Fallout Three, um, I do th- I do like the voice protagonist. I don't care what anybody says. I think that was a I think that was an upgrade, um, and I I did like the overarching story with with your character finding your your child. Um, but I I just think that the package to me, while still one of my favorites in in all of gaming, uh, had to get bumped down a few notches just because I think a lot of a lot of that game's content isn't as memorable as I kind of thought it was um, looking back on it. But, and, and a lot of that, and a lot of that building and crafting your own town stuff like that was just a bog down. I hated that. So yeah. Yeah. And the ending just felt like such a like sudden thing. Like, Oh, you're the Institute. Oh, you, you find out. They never do endings. Well, it's, it's so, it's such a shame for those games. And they had such a, they had such a dope premise with the whole time with, with like, you know, you, you think you get out of that, a capsule, a time capsule, and a frozen capsule, whatever. And vault. you think that, yeah, the vault. No, no, I'm talking about like the frozen thing. You get out when you see your your kid. Oh yeah, get yeah, taken. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. think he's basically still a baby, and it turns out he no baby. Mm-mm. He old. <laughs> uh, and so I love that. I thought that was such a cool thing, and yet they fumbled that somehow. Which is like that's like yeah. man, I, I in my head that works better than the way they executed it. 
you know i agree i agree yeah yeah Yeah, so i had to bump it down a little bit but not too far not too far not enough to make it in my my big three of games that sank but yeah that's kind of where we're at um Pretty fun, a little exercise here to reevaluate our list. I encourage all of you out there, if you don't do like a ranking of your all-time favorite games, it might sound like a lot to you to do, but it's actually kind of fun because it helps put in perspective a lot of your experiences over the years. Like I always get, I'm always blown away by people that can't list off their top five favorite games of all time. Like, oh, I don't know, there's so many great games. Well, figure it out. Like, you know, like <laughs> it's it's important. You know, you love this medium. You put so much of your time and money into it and you can't tell me like what your favorite games are in a in a particular order like that's just weird to me so i i think and i've encouraged some of my own friends to do it and they've all like actually come away enjoying the process because they're like man i didn't realize i loved that game that much or i didn't realize i didn't love that game so much so that's kind of the, the spirit of why we did this segment really yeah, so let's put you on the spot. What are your top five games of all time? Oh, man, there's just so many choices, Pablo. I don't even know. I mean, <laughs> where do I begin? Uh, 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 no, no. Uh, so top five. Uh, five, Metal Gear Solid 2. Four, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Three, The Last of Us. Two, Final Fantasy VII. One, Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. I, I go five. I go uh, Witcher, th- uh, Witcher 3. Uh, number four, I didn't talk about this game because it was just, it, it, I just, I, we talked about it so much, but number four is actually Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Number three is Snake Eater. Number two is Red Dead Redemption 2. And number one is Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. You know what's interesting about your list? What's that? Is that I didn't ask you to give that to me. I didn't want to hear it. Um, that's going to wrap up <laughs> this week's show. Until next time, don't forget to subscribe. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and threads at It's Cool Down Time. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Take care. So when are we going to start the recording? What? <laughs> <laughs>